Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org lost. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. A roast as dark as the night. Perfect for fueling the cryptid research and mad ravings required for your podcasting. Don't mind the red eyes. He's just trying to warn you of the bridge. The bridge. Finally, from the caffeine-addled brains of Spring Hill Jack Coffee and last podcast on the left, we bring you Mothman's Red Eye Blend. Yes, delicious Panama beans. Go to lastpodcastmerch.com to order yours today. <laughs> Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here with Henry Zabrowski. Yeah, it's me, man. Yeah, bro. Henry Zabrowski is smoking some of that sweet last podcast on the left, babe. Go out there and purchase yourself some. I hope you enjoy it. We have sativa, we have indica, and we have a hybrid. And I have to tell you, from my personal experience, they are wonderful. Super tasty, live resin. You really get the delicious weedy taste, which is what I like. And three different experiences. You go to your local vape store and get it. Absolutely. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. We absolutely love you. Can't wait to see you on the road and get that vape. Put it in your brain and have a good time. And if you want us at your favorite weed store, give them a call and ask for them by name. Last podcast on the left, it's weed. Hail yourselves, everyone. Hail Satan. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast on the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. I had this voice class that was, uh, it was all dudes except for one girl. She was, you know, it was a nice normal class, but we had this like mid thirties woman. Hockey 101. Essentially, <laughs> this woman came in and she was teaching us quote unquote tremor work. I love experiments in art mm-hmm. and science. And this is, you know, it leads right into this episode. She was doing tremor work and it was this very tight mid thirties woman who came in and she was like, okay, you guys ready? We're going to unleash, we're going to unleash these emotions that are hidden inside of our muscles. And she got down on her back and she went full spread Eagle. <laughs> and it was just all these dudes. Just, Florida. We were all watching her like an umpire in the world series. Just like interesting. Yes. Yeah. Fascinating. fascinating. <laughs> because she kept going like, hi, 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 hi. by her legs just like shook in the air. It was fantastic. That's great. Do you want to start the episode like that? I don't know. Welcome to the last <laughs> podcast on the left, everyone. I'm Ben. What? And Marcus, an impromptu intro. Uh, And of course, that is fantastic for today's topic. We are on to part two of MK Ultra. Marcus? Hey, Marcus. Yeah? Why don't you want to believe that the medical mafia is going to kill us with the vaccine? (laughs) 
Look, I figured that's in is the way. Is that to, what we want to do today? I feel like it's important. We're going to take a hard right and just talk vaccines. I think that if we are going to talk about the fact that, no, hey, Marcus, if uh-huh. you just change the way you hear conspiracy theories, maybe yeah. it allows them to not be as dangerous. So if you interpret them through the mind of Forrest Gump's mother. Oh, hey, okay. Marcus, is it true that Kurt Blom invented the chemtrails? Oh. And it's the clouds that are making us sick. And then the back seeds, they make us extra sick. I wish oh. chemtrails were real, man. Free drugs! Chemtrails are real, but it's about whether or not they're taking our drugs and making our wives leave us. Okay, interesting. <laughs> we'll get into it. So when we last left our story, the year was 1949, and the CIA had become convinced that Soviet Russia had developed either a drug or a technique to control the minds of men with the purpose of making them say or do out-of-character things. No, you just have to give them an exclusive contract with an advertising agency. (laughs) (laughs) Only problem was, the Soviets were in possession of no such drug or technique, nor Hmm. had they even attempted such a thing. They were nowhere near it, and the main thing that they said that the Soviets had was old school, right? Where they you'd stand in one position for a long time, stress positions, where they would like tie your wrists behind your back and like Aww. lift you up, hold you up by your wrists. That's um, what they did to Puffin. Yes, yes, no. because they wanted to make him tender. They would read from you uh, transcripts of the Sex and the City reboot. All the type of <laughs> stuff. Kim Cattrall is not coming back, by the way. No, because she's- I read a long, lengthy response from too, Jessica Parker. She's too good for it. I guess- yeah. Well, as a result of this paranoid notion, the CIA had created the Special Operations Division to conduct research into ways that we could use drugs or special techniques to control minds, all in the service of winning the Cold War. Everyone in the division, you know they work in that division because they all walk backwards. (laughs) like that that movie that was supposed to be good that was horrible all of them yeah (laughs) so a search for the perfect drug to use for interrogation and behavior modification began and after a long search that will be the subject of today's episode the cia settled on a new psychedelic that had been synthesized just a few years earlier called LSD. LSD! Synthesized! Bring me the synth! More synth! LSD! LSD was created in 1943 by Dr. Albert Hoffman at the Sandoz Laboratory in Switzerland through experimentation with the ergot enzyme. Ergot, you may already know, is a naturally occurring hallucinogenic fungus that quite possibly created the mass hysteria surrounding the Salem witch trials mm. through tainted rye bread. Honestly, stick around for the uh, the rest of this year's programming and you might get uh, further information on that subject. Can't wait to hear more about Salem. Indeed. Now, Hoffman's original intention was not to create a hallucinogen, but to synthesize a respiratory and circulatory stimulant to replace a drug called coramine that was known to have negative side effects on a lady's uterus. Yeah, man, it made it go like, ow, 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 ow. I don't know, dude. It, it turned it, it into a puppy. Sometimes a uterus so, would snake I, out. It would snake out and would grab things. It would untie a man's shoes a lot. And you're like, really? what is this? D- so, Dak Shepard inside of you? Wow, ma'am, this will turn your uterus into a puppy that plays pranks. Whoa, I don't like this drug. Do you have any LSD? Yeah, you got to stay inside. Please. Yes, yes. Coincidentally, coramine was also later used in mind control experiments, 
And it was one of the drugs favored by Adolf Hitler's personal physician, who would fill Hitler's veins with the stuff to pop Hitler back to life when he'd been given too many barbiturates. Like Judy Garland. Yeah, just yeah. like Judy. <laughs> or Zendaya. Oh, you know, she's on that fucking drip, dude. She's on like nine movies. She's so skinny. She's a hybrid, first yeah. of all, because if you look at the cheekbones, she's a hybrid. She's been uh -huh. given to us by fucking Eisenhower, who's still alive. I think she's a reptilian. Uh, no, no, <laughs> she could be. No. She could be a hybrid faded. gray is what he's saying. Oh, a, hybrid yeah. gray, a, par a part of the I alien see. breeding programs. Yes. Look at her. Well, fantastic. <laughs> now, LSD was created in 1943, but it sat on a shelf for five years before Hoffman returned to the drug, thinking that maybe he'd miss something. Hmm. In the process of handling it, though, Hoffman accidentally got some on his fingertips and found that it had a psychoactive effect. God, I just really? that moment, that moment of like looking at your hands, whoa, been like, whoa, something's whoa, 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 going whoa. on right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're just, like seeing it shoot through time, like you see your hand in front of like an old Western carriage and like all of a sudden you're at a waterfall, you know, and you got there and then oh, you're just man. back home and you get there. Mozart hits different on this, man. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> so three days later, Hoffman decided to test a larger dose of 250 micrograms on himself. So, honey, there's just something I got to go do at work. Is this work? <laughs> okay, this is work. He he was, it's just bizarre that he decided to test again three days later with a fuck ton more. <laughs> Why don't we just turn this up a bit? You just, you just know that was one week and all his clothes are on backwards. You know what I mean? Like, there's just something different today. Honey, did you change your coffee? This is crazy. <laughs> 30 minutes later, Hoffman wrote in his journal that he felt no trace of any effect. So he climbed on his bicycle and rode home. But as he was riding his bike, the acid took hold. Turned yeah. into the Wicked Witch of the West. <laughs> seriously. seriously. <laughs> this was Tuesday, April 19th. Uh, this was Bicycle Day. No that kidding. I found out accidentally, we talked about this on Side Stories, during quarantine, when I had no clue what was going on, right, it was the very beginning of quarantine, I was walking around my neighborhood, um, this is when we were all still masked up outside, hyper paranoid, I was walking down the street, and this dude on a bicycle was doing donuts oh. in this area, and then he came up to me, he's like, hey man, you want some fucking acid? And I was like, <laughs> we just day. got COVID, like, this is all <laughs> brand new to me, dude, I'm not ready to open the fucking, <laughs> my mind right now in the street. Yeah, that could have led to a lot of uh, fetal position sweating. Yep. Well, the acid took hold, and once Hoffman got <gasps> home, he wrote another entry. This one was a uh -oh. scrawled note that trailed <laughs> off after the words, quote, Difficulty in concentration. <laughs> yeah. You know, visual disturbances. <laughs> yeah, I guess you can fucking call that or something. Mark desire to laugh. Oh, isn't that nice? It's always amazing when you wake up and you see what you were writing in your, in your notebook or joke book after you tripped acid or mushrooms, and it's always just like, stores are weird. And yeah. it's like, never makes any sense. And the then, first but time when you write it down, you're like, yeah. Cool, cool. No, I, I remember it. the first time I did acid, I had this whole thing where I was talking about how the penny is the ingenue of the coin system. <laughs> that the penny's the hot young woman, that the that the quarter's the producer. Like I had this like long thing, and then you know, I, it just sort of makes sense. I, I, yeah. I solely disagree with you, actually. The I don't know. Yeah. Is, it now it's worthless. Yeah, it's yeah. totally worthless. It costs more to make a penny than the penny is it's worth. It's just a different color. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The last time I did a lot of drugs and like wrote down something that I thought was the funniest thing in the world, I remember giggling the whole time I wrote it. And then I woke up the next morning and looked at the paper and it just said, the smell is the same. <laughs> God damn it. That probably was get, funny, though. I don't know what seriously. that's about, but that was funny. If you could get back to that moment. Oh, my God. God. It's funny. like in your dream. Yeah, I, have, I have a sketch or a, a joke idea in my dream, and I'm like, and I'm I'm just seeing it cr- like crush and like change the world, and uh, then I wake up like, oh, yeah, I got to write it down. It was like, waffles or gay pancakes. <laughs> this is what I've done. <laughs> From what Hoffman later reported about the first ever acid trip in history, the most outstanding symptoms were vertigo, marked motoric unrest alternating with paralysis, an intermittent heavy feeling in the head, limbs, and body, the illusion that other people's faces were grotesque masks, and and the shouting of half-insane, incoherent babble. Uh, Jokes on you, assholes. I built a career on that. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, so he was tripping hard. Yes, he was tripping real hard. But Hoffman also noticed extreme senses of well-being and a deeper, more comprehensive, almost mystical view of reality. Therefore, Hoffman began thinking of LSD as a drug that could be used to treat mental illness. It's nice that the first thought wasn't to make it a weapon. Yeah, well, it was the second thought. Right. <laughs> yeah, predictably, cool. when word of Hoffman's experiments with LSD reached L. Wilson Green, the head of the chemical and radiological laboratories at Edward Arsenal, Ooh. the only application Green saw was LSD's potential as a weapon. God, you now, can almost see the thunder crash and the dark clouds yeah. go over the building. That <laughs> Seriously. <just> like, <laughs> well, laboratory. You, if you remember. Meanwhile, at the chemical and radiological laboratories at Edward <laughs> Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> How do I make the anti-groovy drug? <laughs> but at Edgewood, if you remember our episodes when we covered them, Edgewood is the groovy version of MK Ultra. Like it mm-hmm. is, it was them really just them throwing the LSD experiments at a wall, see what would stick amongst their people. But the research from Edgewood would come into the back door mm. of product artichoke and all of these various things that would allow them to then use it during MK Ultra. Yeah, Edgewood, they just gave a whole, like, they just gave a whole company of army dudes acid and then just gave them missions and tried to see if they could do it. Oh my and God, they, that would Operation be Operation Brownie so, Pockets. That is so fun. <laughs> yeah. God, that would be a great, like, oh God, just go and talk to a well, Vietnam vet with no legs. And you were like, how was your service? He's like, it was really bad. I lost my legs. And then, how was your service? I played with a balloon for six months. Okay, sweet, bro. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, they guys- did also like like do- like give them sarin gas and mustard gas. They yes. really fucked them up. Like LSD was the one fun day they had. Oh, yeah. okay. But I love watching these videos. I got into a little bit of a hole of soldiers on LSD. Have you ever watched these videos where <laughs> yeah. it's them trying to do stuff and you just see a bunch of like, which I also love because it's World War II, so everybody's in those official green uniforms. Like you see the G.I. Joe versions on all the propaganda posters mm-hmm. and stuff. So it's like they of all course. look all buttoned up, but it's them with like their shirts half done and their helmets to the side and they're they're trying to do their wall climb and they're all like laughing and rolling on the ground and shit. Oh, good for them. They need a break. Now, L. Wilson Green at Edgewood almost immediately became obsessed with using psychoactive chemicals in ground warfare. And after collecting all the information available on the subject, he published a report entitled Psychochemical Warfare, A New Concept of War. 
oh yeah, you ruined it. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> if you want to have, you want to go ruin a weekend, just print yeah. out a PDF of that and start reading it at your college parties oh, this weekend. Well, in the report, Green talked about the possibility of using psychoactive drugs on general populations, which would hopefully, in his mind, cause mass hysteria and panic so armies could march in and take over a country city by city without bloodshed. Now, admittedly, this is a more compassionate rollout of total war than, say, firebombing or nuking entire populations. It's, it's weird, though, because to me, this is a middle thing where, yeah, sure, it's not setting them on fire, but it's also creating mass hysteria. And yeah. within the people are mass still going to die. You, people are going to die almost in a way I would posit that it's I mean, nothing's worse than being set on fire, I imagine. Bowling alive, yeah. With the napalm and yeah, all that. That's yeah, that's bad. Yeah. Obviously, it's just bad. the firebombing fire of Dresden and all that. Yeah, that's going to be bad. Or Tokyo. Yeah. But have you sure. ever seen the movie Mom and Dad? Oh, like something fantastic. that style, Nicolas like Cage. it's like how everybody fantasizes on Twitter about the end of American civilization, like oh, you know the end of society. Blah blah blah. But it's like you don't know what that would look like. That would actually turn into a wave of rape and murder and suicide and people running around society like lemons. Never ends until and you die. Yeah, it's yeah. Not, it just gets worse. <laughs> it just keeps going. Yeah. And well, considering how every war since the American Civil War have become increasingly more destructive and deadly with each consecutive war, it's mm. easy to see why they'd want to go another way. They're sure, coming sure. out of World War II here. Like, yeah. we really, Get it. It's, it is hard They just saw to, the concentration camps. Yeah. So they're well, like, after not even this. Just, yeah. I mean, the concentration camps were the worst of it, but just in general, the devastation of Europe and Asia and pretty much every country, every continent except for North and South America, it's hard to fathom really how horrific. World War II was. We dropped the bombs. We yeah, dropped you know, the two biggest bombs <laughs> of the entire thing. And we're like, yeah. hey, we need to really be reasonable now. And it's like, <laughs> we just yeah. did this. And we'd also firebomb Dresden and Tokyo, killing about 300,000 people in the it's process. It's more difficult to be the person that breaks up with the person than to be the person that's broken up with. And so the U.S. was like, yeah, we dropped the bomb. But have you thought about how that made us, us feel? feel. <laughs> Think about that. Also, the recipe that they're going with is the recipe that we've been using, which leads to 20 years of guerrilla warfare. Yep. So yeah. It's, that's the compromise. Everyone on acid. And it could just last forever. And we're just so excited to go back to a new one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, considering all the destruction they just witnessed, Green's report about psychoactive warfare was taken seriously, and President Truman authorized the proposed drug research. Unfortunately, though, Truman handed over the application of psychedelics and other drugs to the most paranoid, uh -oh. bad vibes organization in the government, the CIA. Oh, it really man. was. Like, it feels like one of those... How do you put it? Fate, you know, destiny, that type of thing that comes together. You're where you do that thing where it's like work and effort meets something and then you get successful. It's, You're talking, I, it's an old Seneca quote. Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. I live my life by that quote. It's true. Absolutely. And it's and true. Then, <laughs> when do you marry your own daughter like Woody Allen? I mean, that's when you when you have been snubbed by the Oscars oh, several okay. times. I, I see. I get it. Uh, but the CIA, uh, the, them getting a hold of this program is very bad. 
for modern times. Yeah. Yes. And um, the fact that it happened like this, like I really feel like if the if LSE went to maybe one of the other branches where like, yeah, they just blow people up. But there was really there really is like not to be anything. There's a quote unquote <laughs> softer bad. side to like the U.S. Navy because yeah. they did. They're with the UFO branch and they had all kind of like softer sciences. Like you could have put it in another spot. You I agree. It, I think the Navy and acid. Yeah, that would have been fun. It could have yeah, been. The, some, who knows? The Navy did pay three hundred thousand dollars to a guy to give heroin to college students. Oh, it's all bad, okay? okay. <laughs> it's all bad. All right. I'm just saying that the CIA was especially bad to yeah, give LSD. They were. they were the worst. No, no, it's, you're definitely giving it to the most paranoid people. Like, the mo the biggest psychic explosion for the collective unconsciousness in, you know, hundreds of thousands of years, and you give it to the CIA. You put them in charge of the new version and counterculture that all of us will create. Yikes. Yeah. But since the CIA was mostly an action agency, they needed a partner to conduct the deep research. And since biological weapons had fallen out of vogue, the Special Operations Division at the aforementioned Fort Detrick needed a new project. And I apologize for that. Camp Detrick became Fort Detrick. So if I referred to Fort Detrick as Camp Detrick in the last episode, I apologize to all you army fucking nerds. Good. Did you, did you see what biological weapons were wearing yesterday? Uh, oh. So it's like They're all wearing all like, they were all covered in anthrax. It's, it's so 2001. It's out of vogue. It's out of vogue. So, a covert joint program was created between the SOD and the CIA, codenamed MK Naomi, after one of their secretaries. Oh. She must have been so flattered. I mean, kind of. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Now, the main thrust of MK Naomi was to carry out field tests to learn how airborne biological and chemical agents worked in crowded environments, partly to test the theories of L. Wilson Green, the psychoactive chemical test. I thought bioweapons was the six-year anniversary. Mm. <laughs> By like 10. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, dog me. Come on. Look, look what you did <laughs> Come on, guys. I get it. Well, as their first experiment, six members of the SOD entered the Pentagon in 1949, pretending to be air quality monitors. They sprayed mock bacteria into the air ducts and found that had their operation been malicious, they could have killed half the people in the Pentagon. It's oh the meetings afterwards. You know what I mean? You go, you spread all of this bullshit inside of the buildings, and then afterwards be like, hey, you feel a tingle on Wednesday? Covered you in bacteria from the air conditioning units. Didn't Not we sick could do though, that. huh? huh? Right? <laughs> right? Well, having tried it on a smaller scale, the MK Naomi team escalated rapidly with Operation Sea Spray in San Francisco, choosing the city because it had a coastline, tall buildings, and chronic fog that would disguise the germ clouds they were about to spray into the Bay Area. Uh, here's a conspiracy alert. The reason why we uh, have all of these problems with this idea of chemtrails, like, you know, now chemtrails are even that's kind of passe. But at the time, Gwyneth Paltrow talks about them. It's because mm. it changed the smell of her vagina. Oh, but he, I mean, it made it marketable. It did. Yeah. But sea spray involved planes dumping trails of bacteria right. on American cities, so it's happens. It's another thing that so has that's the happened. That's the kernel of truth within the conspiracy. They would literally that spray. 
Well, it, no, on this, the, it, the coast. It, and it doesn't sound that on. I don't think they used pl- they used uh, minesweepers. They didn't use planes and sea spray, well, did they? They had crop dusters. I know that they used many different ways. They ah. used many ways of spreading it. So they did stuff that was on the ground. They had sh- they had the crop dusting was a thing that they would do oftentimes in their when they were running experiments outside of uh, <laughs> Kissel. Oh, got actually got right now. He seriously got the fucking medal of honor. Bar last yeah. night. Um, but no, but to that point, my mom used to tell me a little bit of a different scenario. But DEET, DDT, they mm-hmm. used to just have a truck that would come by in in North Dakota, spray everything with DDT, and they used to play in the fog. So yeah, they have that ability to just spread a bunch of shit around. Yes, it was. They have crop dusting operations, which were Antigua, which we're going to talk about probably next episode with Frank Olson. They were, uh, these were done by ship. So they were yeah. sprayed by ship. Okay. Yeah. We're using a minesweeper provided by the Navy, and without notifying locals, the MK Naomi team used large aerosol hoses to spray a supposedly harmless bacterium called Seratia marcunsis. I think it's marcunsis. <laughs> marcunsis. Uh, mar- it's marcusens. Seratia marcusens into oh. the coastal mist. If it was played by a character, it would be Bendelbing Hungerbump. <laughs> What's his name? Ben, ben, Benedict Cumberbatch. That makes Cumber- sense. Yeah, he's Cumberba- fine. Cumberba- I like oh, Cumberbatch. It's a no, fancy yeah. name. His name is Benedict Cumberbunch, and that's what, that's <laughs> oh, from now on. All right. This bacteria was chosen because it had a red tint, making it easier to trace, and it wasn't thought to cause ill effects. Assholes. <sighs> now, the experiment was an unqualified success in the eyes of the MK yes! Naomi team. Yes! It was like, yes, yes, it's everywhere. Yes. Wait, why was yeah. it an unqualified success? Because they were able to surmise that the spray reached all 800,000 San Francisco residents, <laughs> as, well, as well as people in Oakland, <gasps> Berkeley, Sausalito, and five other cities. Wow. It's even more of a success. You, you got extra. You <laughs> wow. got more than you thought. That's so great. I'm so happy you guys did that. But the casualties of Operation Sea Spray were by no means negligible. Over the next few weeks, 11 people were hospitalized for serious urinary infections and red drops were found in their urine. In one case, a man recovering from prostate surgery actually died from the bacteria they sprayed over San Francisco. So is Naomi still flattered that all of this was named after her? I mean, you know, do you get flattered if your cat brings home a dead bird? Some yeah. people do. You'd like so it. in I a do. way, Naomi would say yes. She's like, yeah, I'm yeah. glad you killed him. I'm glad you killed him with your <laughs> bumpy ass prostate. Fuck his prostate. That's why we named it after you, Naomi. But this is uh, <laughs> this is just one example of them doing it. I remember I was watching a documentary about this time period, the biowarfare shit leading up to Project Artichoke. And the way that you got these guys talked about it is very similar to the way everybody else has talked about everything else in terms of the OSS. It was like a game. It was a clumsy yeah. game that they would play. Mm. And the one thing that they would always lament is that they never got to use actual live unwilling people uh, like the Nazis got to do because they got Ugh. to have all these people. They got to test all the efficacy of all of the shit on. Um, but also it's the way they talked about it because everything was yeah, in code so and everything was super casual. So one guy was talking about how the way that we would go down, they'd be like, so tell me, do you want to come over to the ding dong hut and play with the hot stuff? <laughs> and these were all like concepts. <laughs> Wait like, a second. Yeah. The, the ding dong hut was like, that wasn't an actual name, but they, we would yeah. have names, yeah, yeah. but the hot stuff is what they would call fucking animals. 
anthrax. They would call these things where they would work in controlled Jeez. lab scenarios. But this idea of like them all joking around, be like, you gotta come over and check out the hot stuff sometimes. It's just like kind of like sends a shiver up my spine. It is yeah. bizarre to think them listening to Frank Sinatra's regrets. I admit it, I've had a few. I've had a few. <laughs> then, like when you're like, what are your regrets? We never got to test it on actual people. Seriously. It's like, that's your yeah. regret? You didn't kill enough people? No, when uh, these scientists started working with the Operation Paperclip Nazis, like they welcomed them as colleagues because these were the guys that had done the shit that they wanted to do. Like Jesus. they would sit down with them and have these conversations like, all right, tell me the real shit. Like really tell me the real shit. What really goes on? And the mm. Nazi would tell like, yeah, fuck yeah. him up, man. You would not believe a man <laughs> dies if you just pump him full of glue. He just fucking <laughs> dies and you're just sitting there. I thought he'd become like sticky on the outside as we right. were all. We were hoping, and then I lost that bet to Gunter. Gunter said he'd die because Gunter's a fucking party pooper. Fascinating. 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 Now, since agents have proved that they could infect a city population with a biological agent, the first director of the CIA, Roscoe Hillencoder, directed his agents to start experimenting with chemicals on a smaller scale. This undertaking, the first step towards MKUltra, was called Operation Bluebird. Now, Bluebird, so named because its goal was to find ways to make prisoners sing like a bird, Cute. Was, <laughs> was mostly concerned with experiments using chemicals for interrogation purposes on foreign agents. I bet you that they were more likely to actually make bird noises than give credible information. Absolutely. Yeah. Therefore, the subjects of these experiments were people the CIA was going to interrogate anyway. Prisoners, defectors refugees, prisoners of war, or basically any non-citizen the United States just didn't like. Whoa, who's that like? <laughs> who's that like? Is that like the Nazis? What? Weird. Weird. It's almost like we're learning from them. <laughs> now, this was a time of change in the CIA, and it was decidedly a change for the worst. A new director took over in 1950, and one of this new director's first decisions was to hire the aforementioned OSS psychopath, Alan Dulles. Mm. You say psychopath, you feel, to me, that makes him more exciting than anything. Alan Dulles, in my mind, is a ghost of a human being. That yeah. he is a, he loved the secret hallways of power. He he existed as one pe person to his family. Um, he had multiple mistresses. He had a, uh, his family didn't know anything about what he did until after he died. Mm. And it went, you know, and they were all like, we had these lovely summers on the hill and they would go to these little like this wonderful little farm town where he'd they, go and he'd they, fish they and fun. stuff. Yeah, and it wasn't until <laughs> they went through his documents, much like Kissel when his fun vacation to Uruguay, when you look at all no, of this it stuff. No, wasn't Uruguay. But yeah, they, you look at all German. of this stuff and they're all like, our daddy was a bad. He was some kind of bad. And they're like, Maybe. Yeah. He's one of the great, Alan Dulles is one of the great villains of United States history. Yeah. Another example of a person who thought he knew what was best for everyone yeah. and that everybody else can go fuck themselves. All right. Oh, fuck U.S. history. I, I would say Alan Dulles is one of the great villains of world, world history. history. Yeah, Whoa. certainly one of the greatest villains in the world of the 20th century. He fucked up, like the world, he changed the world. He yep. really was one of those Dan Carlin's great men. 
Now, Dulles had become a student of the work of psychoanalyst Carl Jung during World War II. And when Dulles began his long career in the CIA, he became obsessed with the prospect that science could discover ways to manipulate the human psyche. Science? Carl Jung was also an OSS agent. Uh, He would flip over his psychological records of Nazis that he was working with at the time and just gave them to the U.S. government for them to find out how to psychoanalyze these guys. Mm -hmm. So Dulles was put in charge of all mind control projects along with most other covert operations, making Dulles the spook's spook. Whoa, he's like David Tell. He's the comedian's comedian. (laughs) (laughs) But Dulles saw mind control as an indispensable part of the secret war against communism. And just about every time these programs accelerated, it was Alan Dulles's foot on the gas. He was really obsessed with this because there's something about these types of guys, these like true like dictators in waiting that... They want you, you see this, I think, all over the world, where it's not just you're supposed to absorb a political ideology. You have to love it. He wa- mm. He really wished to have total control over the world's mind. Like, he wa- He wanted it. He wanted to figure yeah. out how to t- cheat all of us like puppets if he could. Sure. Mm. And in the minds of paranoid cold warriors like Alan Dulles, the Cold War appeared to be escalating. Eleven leaders of the Communist Party in the U.S. have been convicted of seeking to overthrow the U.S. government, and two British intelligence officers have been revealed as Soviet double agents. Whoa, double agent! The thing was is that when you start to realize all these espionage rules, it was so casual. Everybody had somebody everywhere else. Like, yeah, sure, I, it might have been. This, I honestly do think that there might have been people on the inside of all these things. Sure. But we had people on the other side, too. We hired a bunch of Nazis. Specifically, Alan Dulles hired a bunch of Nazis to be our espionage group. Henry, you don't understand. In Germany. We also need to have fall guys. I go, yeah. Of course. Please, of course. we need these people <laughs> to take the fall so we can say, see, we're good. See? See, we got one. <laughs> So, with the belief that commies were everywhere, Dulles tasked Operation Bluebird with finding ways to crawl into the brain of just about anyone using any means available, no matter how cruel or destructive those methods might be. Additionally, early memos also directed researchers to investigate ways that a person could be made to commit acts under post-hypnotic suggestion, along with ways their own agents could be trained to resist such tactics. I was reading the book of Spies and Stratagems by Stanley Lovell, like the guy that was the the guy who first started experimenting with weed back in the day Mm. in the OSS times for his fucking, like, using all the liquid weed to control people's brains. But he was talking about the first time he saw hypnosis, right? The first time he saw it happen in front of him when they, the very, very first experiments, where he had two arm privates where it was this guy he had a hypnotist come in they took these two like guys where he said they came just so directly from south carolina that he thought that the army boots that they were issued were the first shoes they have ever worn <laughs> right like it was these two guys like and he's just like okay show me how you do this let me show you how the hypnotism works and they're like this hypnotist came in literally it's like oh, yes. on at 11 a.m today when you are in training your feet are going to become very itchy and you're gonna have to take off your boots and scratch them and so they're like, okay, Lovell met there with the with these two guys. And they were looking at their watch at 11 a.m. And the two guys were like, man, my feet itchy. And took the feet off, took the shoes off, started itching their feet. And he said, this hypnotist is like, see? See? <laughs> and then wow. Lovell's like, I think that these men would pay for a chance to show me their god-awful feet. 
and break the dress code of this army just because they get to. They're like allowed to do it. Right. So the question is, was it more suggestion than hypnosis? Where am I feeling, Donny G? Yes. Well, as far as where they were going to test these interrogation techniques, Dulles maintained that these quote-unquote augmentations could only be carried out overseas because many of these experiments would be frowned upon if they were conducted on U.S. soil. See, that's why I put all of these letter C's on the ground. (laughs) What? What? C. So we can do the experiment right here. What? Oh, overseas. Wow. Oh my oh God! My wow! God. Oh, wait, Holy wow. shit! I just the seas wow. on the Over, ground so we could do the overseas. experiment here. Oh, it's, it's a fucking wow. play on Whoa. words. Okay? That's like Blue's Clues humor. <laughs> it's like yeah, whatever. And there's nothing wrong with that man. They fired him because he went bald. It wasn't because he did anything. He wrong. had a, time happened to him. Yes, <laughs> just bring him back. So the CIA began a search for what would become its first black site. Hey. <laughs> Now, black sites didn't come to be known to the general public until the mid-2000s, when the dirtier parts of the war on terror were exposed. But these secret CIA prisons, mostly but not always located on foreign soil, have been in operation since at least 1950. The first black site that we know of was established in a former Nazi POW camp called Camp King that was converted by counterintelligence officers into a U.S. installation for quote-unquote special interrogation. Ben, can you guess what special interrogation means? Probably get an interior decorator over there if they're going to change it all around. Honestly, <laughs> change and don't flags. listen to any of their suggestions. Don't listen to any of them. No, it's probably like ripping off toenails, putting mm-hmm. your dick in people's mouths, stuff like it's, that. It's torture. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's 100% torture. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, of course, that's something that people do to, to other people. It's bad. Yeah. Using freezing water immersion and baseball bat beatings, amongst other traditional torture techniques, the officers at Camp King also clumsily experimented with mescaline, heroin, and amphetamines without any real goal. They threw a bunch of shit at the wall, quote unquote. What was the goal? The goal was. There had to be some actual goal. Make them talk! Yeah, <laughs> make them talk. Oh but they, uh, they just beat them. They just beat them with that an inch it, of their huh? life okay. and uh, put them out in the middle of nowhere and uh, scared. Try to scare them. They really mm-hmm. just try to scare them because that was also the thing too: is create the temperament, take, create an atmosphere of discomfort. Of yeah, you know, mm-hmm. like you're out here, you're in a very scary looking castle. In yeah. the middle of the Bavarian mountains, you got nowhere to go. Oh all God, no, all of these guys have licenses to kill. None of them are wearing a badge. They mm-hmm. all just and they're all from everywhere. They're from Russia and and UK and America. You don't know who you're talking to. You're you don't know what acronym diff- you're, you're talking to. You're tripping on a different drug every day. Yep. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. But since these guys were the sorts of soldiers who do just about anything to a Nazi, they're sort of like uh, Tarantino's bastards. Nice. Yeah. Camp King became known as the Kraut Gauntlet, and the officers who ran the place came to be known as the Rough Boys. I tell you, oh, and these days, if you ever seen, if you look up the movie Rough Boys at the Kraut Gauntlet, it's a different... Yeah, thing now. Oh, it's not a documentary. Yeah, now a movie about featuring a bunch of quote unquote rough boys in a German oh, castle has a different plot. <laughs> oh, weird. I didn't, uh, I've been watching so much of it. Now, the rough boys' willingness to do just about anything certainly appealed to Alan Dulles, but what really caught his attention was the fact that disposal of bodies at Camp King, in the parlance of CIA memos written at the time, quote, 
would be no problem. No problem. Oh, no problem. Good. You see that again. It's so weird how flippant they refer to it in these CIA memos. They just say body disposal would be no problem. No, problem. no, no problem. shirts, no bodies, no problems. No problems. <laughs> Keep the shoes. See, Camp King was a site where the CIA could test any drug or any coercive technique on a steady supply of human subjects. And if any of these subjects died, no one would notice because the subjects were considered, quote unquote, expendable. And, was, and not in the treasured film franchise sense no. of expendables, because they were actually not expendable, because they were actually very good they at were. their jobs. You are correct. You're talking about elderly people's retirement movies. It's, yes, them all just collecting checks and, and then doing the Lord of the Rings handshake every yeah. five minutes. Um, but these guys, uh, the, these expendables, a lot of them were sourced by a group called the Galen Organization, which was started by, which was fronted by Reinhard Galen, who was this this guy oh. that I've been talking about, Alan Dulles's Nazi friends, that set up their, they were the espionage wing for Hitler, and Hitler loved them. I'm sure and and that was a big thing that Alan Dulles kept, would tout, being like, they were Hitler's favorite spies. Like, we're all like, that's a good thing? Great. Alright. Um, and so he well, had that was, like, Dulles was such a, he could be such a weird objective person at times, where he just looks at everything in such uh, terms of, we can use them because they're good, who gives a shit? This, right. this is when centralism turns to fascism, right? It's yeah. this idea that everybody is just fine, they all get whitewashed. Right. Like in this scenario, it is a hyper extreme version of looking at these war criminals and deciding, oh, we can use them because it's the same fallacy that the fucking the the chancellor had about Hitler to begin with. This idea we can control these guys, though. Yeah. Don't I worry. Mean, yeah, they might be hardcore Nazis that are fucking working on their own agenda, but we'll control them in the end, which you won't because no. the goal is to have them because they were already having their own inner plot, knowing that one day if so-called the democratic experiment doesn't work here, we can flip this whole thing and will be the new Nazis in charge because it was all about being afraid of Russia. Like a little popper. It reminds me of uh, Antonio Brown, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Hmm. They did win a Super Bowl with him, but they could not control him. And at the end, <laughs> he ended up running off the field, taking his shirt off. So Antonio but, Brown, I'm going to go on the record as saying, so Antonio Brown is the Reinhard Galen yes. of the NFL. <laughs> yes, that's correct. Because he will be productive until he's not. Yeah. Well, expendable in CIA terms meant that if a prisoner disappeared, no one would come looking for them. Mm. Many of these expendables were Soviet agents, but just like it was with the war on terror, there were a fair amount of innocent refugees mixed in who were just at the wrong place at the wrong time. Just people that the Galen organization didn't like and, mm. and you know, various people. But no matter who they were, all prisoners were treated the same in what came to be known as the CIA's torture house. Now, the rough boys were seen as somewhat inelegant. Mm. So the CIA sent their own men to Camp King to carry out experiments in the service of Project Bluebird. Bluebird, however, was considered so secret that even a secure army base like Camp King wasn't secure enough. So mm. the CIA opened their own site just a few miles away under the protection of Camp King at a large estate called Vila Schuster. Now, from the outside, Vila Schuster appeared to be a regal old house at the end of a country lane. Mm. Inside, it also appeared normal, with high ceilings, a dozen bedrooms, and an imposing fireplace on the ground floor. But the true terror of Vila Schuster was the basement. Oh. It was unfinished, and it was going to take months, <laughs> oh months of work, and the grouting That's, is going to be oh, a nightmare. Horrible, horrible. 
There, you had a complex of bricked-in storerooms which converted easily to sealed cells that could be used for both prisoner housing and human experimentation. Basically, Vila Schuster was the house from Resident Evil. Oh, my we God. We talk about I, these things. It also reminds me of the house from the La- Dieter Laser. Yes. Seems yeah. like some human centipede stuff could be going on. What we're seeing here is, again, like what Oof. has been now seeded by pop culture again and again. Like we talk about with Ed Gein's house, all these things that existed in real. They were real. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. now we've become like a cliche. You know, now it's a thing that people talk about all the time. Oh, yeah, that house in the back of the field. Do you want to go there? These They come from somewhere, which yeah. is this. They literally invented this this whole thing of like, we're just going to we're going to make a real evil dude it's scary man yeah Uh, and and vila schuster like they would they talk about these times where you would have these former concentration camp doctors talking to these project bluebird uh scientists in front of the fire at vila schuster drinking brandy having a grand old time meanwhile right below their feet uh are cells full of political prisoners being experimented upon that's Mm -hmm. what i was thinking if you're the neighbor who just comes over with some borscht and you're like hey you want to have some (laughs) you're sitting there at the at the dinner table we have ways of making Here's a nice brandy and let's have some lava cake because I just want some local gossip. I'm down here! Somebody downstairs? No, it's my it's my sleep app. (laughs) That's my sleep app. Good. Now, the person that the CIA officers at Vila Schuster looked to for guidance was a German physician known by the innocent name of Doc Fisher. In reality, (laughs) Doc Fisher was General Walter Schreiber, former Surgeon General of the Nazi Army. Wow. Schreiber had approved experiments at Auschwitz, Ravensbrück, and Dachau, in which inmates were frozen, injected with mescaline, and cut open so the progress of gangrene on their bones could be monitored. Hey, man, how else are you going to know how far goes inside the bone? Well, you know, (laughs) I, okay, let's take that for a second. Are there other ways to get these answers? Ask them. Yeah, you can ask them. No, there aren't. No, you stick a stick in, you stick a stick in like measuring a quart of oil. And see how far the stick goes. Oh, this is ugh. well. That All was right. the whole. That was the reason why they took a lot of these Nazis, and also why they protected the guy in charge of Unit Seven Thirty One because these Ugh. experiments and this information could not be gleaned unless you killed the subject. Uh, it just couldn't be. Wow. Specifically, Schreiber seemed to specialize in experiments involving the slow and agonizing deaths of his subjects. So, what's your specialty? Slow and agonizing death. Okay. (laughs) Now, Schreiber had first been captured by the Soviets in the post-World War II Nazi roundup. But eventually, he convinced the USSR to let him take a teaching position in Soviet-occupied East Berlin. Those who can't teach. Also, Sirius Radio has Nazi roundup on... uh Every every Saturday, it's Nazi Roundup. Schreiber soon escaped to West Berlin Hmm. and gave himself up to the Americans who offered a choice Operation Paperclip contract. Hmm. Now, Operation Bluebird interrogators, directed by Dr. Schreiber, worked without supervision from anyone but other CIA agents, setting a precedent for the CIA to detain and imprison people in other countries without regard for domestic or international law. And that... Precedent lives to present day. How yep. dare you ever defy the art of improv? <laughs> this is all about, this is yes and, Marcus. This yeah. is a follow the fear. So you're blaming Del Close for all of this. I always do. Fantastic. <laughs> 
Once the CIA got a taste for it at Vila Schuster in Germany, they soon copied the formula and opened black sites in Japan. There, they captured and interrogated North Korean soldiers using sodium amytal and stimulants like benzedrine, the aforementioned coramine, and picrotoxin. Under the effects of these drugs, CIA experimenters subjected prisoners to hypnosis, electroshock, and debilitating heat. The goal was to induce violent, cathartic reactions by alternating between deep sleep and high alertness, confusing a prisoner's nervous system until they could be coerced into spilling the beans. Now, they thought mm. it lowered their inhibitions, but it does also seem like it just makes you want everything to stop, which is kind of why yeah. this is the problem with, quote-unquote, what we call it these days, advanced interrogation, or at least what oh, they called it in the middle. Right? Yeah. But yeah, yeah. quote-unquote, yeah. and the idea is, but the problem is, is that then they'll say, anything absolutely They'll just say like i gotta we have to end this i'll My tell you whatever you tomato. want i'll yeah. tell you whatever you need to know <laughs> but i think we can all agree out of all of these um the hypnotism isn't so bad well this yeah. is not even we're that. not even near the real hypnotism part because well, the real two, hypnotism do they make two students who don't like each other kiss they want to they <laughs> wish they could they wish they could, yeah. but we'll find, we'll have that debate next episode when we talk about whether or not you can truly hypnotize somebody against their this, to do something against their will. Are we secretly yeah. empowering the hypnotist class? In this no, episode? I don't want to be anywhere near them. Afraid of them. Yes. <laughs> from your grave. Last podcast on the left is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Thanks, Squarespace. With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your own terms. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. This ain't your mama's website platform. It is, actually. It's actually be very easy for your mother to learn. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine. It's a next-generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. I thought it was just the name of what my blood pressure medication turned me into. I'm, I'm peeing. Now, my goals for the year are I have two warehouses filled with horse picks. Now, I know a lot of people, uh, obviously this bit has been done, but the Zendaya centaur picks are not going anywhere. And I've been trying to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale line out. Uh, I need these moved, okay? Because I have to move into the storage unit. Let's just say there are problems at home. So I need Squarespace to shoot this through the roof for me this year. And that's why I'm going to go full tilt and not only are you going to get the judge reinhold sitting on the clydesdale entire series clothes and non-clothes what we also are going to offer and i mean this we're trying to get into giraffe rides i brought this up the other day we got to start riding other animals but horses take pictures of the horses photoshop the horses into other celebrities but stop riding them save a horse ride a giraffe with Squarespace. Go head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's just right here. What would you do of another extra hour of your day? I mean, well, obviously I'd get some nunchuck training in. Oh, I'd make love to my wife. That takes about nine. That's a full nine minutes of that hour. And then I would probably uh, go to get a donut. And then I'd probably yell at my parents. 
a lot of us wish we had more time. The question is time for what? I don't know. What works for you? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. And therapy can help you find out what matters to you so you can do more of it. You know that question? They're like, if you had a billion dollars, what would you do? You know, and like, you know, when I answer it's, of course, I would grind the government to a standstill with my giant machine of my making in secret for many years. But a lot of people get mad at that. And it's really hard to do that in a job interview or like when you're meeting somebody's like your significant other's parents for the first time. So, and you might actually want to think of starting therapy. So give BetterHelp a try. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-A-S-T-P-O-D. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. And if that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Now, I love Babbel, and I love what they're doing for the people of America. But I went on there to find out if I could learn Fremen in order for me to go and harness the desert power that it would take to finally get the raids of the sand planet Arrakis. Uh, but they said they only offer real languages and uh, stuff that can really help people travel. I think that's mostly what Babbel's looking to do. They didn't really, like, I called customer service and I asked me, like, well, how can I possibly harness the power of a million Fremen? And they said, please, sir, stop calling. And I said, but I, I'm doing an ad for you currently while we're on the phone. And Babbel, you know what? God love them. They helped me learn German. And in the end, they, they were right. Because German's a lot more useful. Here's a special limited time deal for listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now, eventually, Dr. Schrieber got tired of his life at Camp King and tried to go to the United States under the terms of his Operation Paperclip contract. Seriously, this place is freaking me out. (laughs) It's the screams. Honestly, I love screams. I kind of like it, but I'm getting burnt out. Okay, he's (laughs) added up to here with the screams. But when a reporter discovered the transfer... He published testimony from the Nuremberg trials, rightly implicating Schrieber in concentration camp experiments. So Schrieber quit the whole program and fled to backup Germany, Argentina, leaving Camp King without a quote-unquote staff doctor. What a fucking bitch. Just because he couldn't move to fucking California and work for Disney? That's why? That was his dream, Henry? That was his dream. I wanted to be an Imagineer. That's why I got into the concentration camp business to begin with. Uh, You know, (laughs) sadly, there might be a truth to that. 
<laughs> well, luckily for the CIA, they had a replacement in another sociopathic Nazi doctor called Dr. Kurt Blom, who we covered in episode one. Yes. See, Blom had never actually entered the United States because even though he had been acquitted of war crimes at Nuremberg, he was still a highly public Nazi. And Very famous the, Nazi. Very yeah. big old famous big time capital N Nazi. <laughs> it's, you never want to just be like, hey, weren't you accused of all those war crimes? And then you have to be like, I was acquitted. <laughs> Like, oh, okay, but there was a trial and everything. Yeah, he was the Casey Anthony of Nuremberg. Yeah, yeah. I was acquitted. <laughs> I work here. I work here. <laughs> Thank God they never checked my Firefox account. <laughs> well, it was thought that Blom's presence in America might draw attention to the hundreds of other Nazis we'd already brought over. So, when Walter Schrieber fled to Argentina, the staff doctor position at Camp King was open. And since Dr. Blom liked the idea of, quote, a return to biological research. Yay! You got to go back to his dream! Yas, Queen! Oh my gosh. He left his new life as a small town doctor and accepted the CIA's offer to oversee the experiments at Villa Schuster, the resident evil house. I will tell you, I don't know if I have the love of the game of giving people different viruses and watches what happens to them. I've just sort of fallen out of it, but... Maybe just this one last time. Because <laughs> you just have this like little boy with cancer just been like, Mr. Dr. Blanc, do you think you could give the boys cancer one last time? Make one play, last time. Make the play go in a bomb, Dr. Blanc, for me. Yeah, but I have been working on this idea to maybe like make like a virus like as big as a man. Like a big virus. I want to be a man. A man who shows up with a stool, with like a shovel and he hits you in the head and his name is Mr. Virus. Oh, wow. That's a great idea. That's an amazing idea, Dr. Blanc. I hate John Cena. Oh, why? Well, Dr. Blum's specialty in the concentration camps had been both biological and hallucinogenic experimentation. So he was technically the most qualified Nazi to do Project Bluebird work at Vila Schuster. Hmm. There, Dr. Blom and Operation Bluebird operatives were tasked by Alan Dulles with answering a series of questions. If answered, the information gleaned would be considered to be of great value to the CIA, and these questions would form the basis of all CIA mind control programs to come. Among other things, they wanted to know if accurate information could be obtained through drugs, if... These techniques could guarantee total amnesia if they could alter a person's personality and how long that alteration would hold hmm. if they could make unwilling subjects into willing agents and how quickly all of it could be done. Everywhere there's executive producers all over L.A. just going like, me too, tell me as well. How do I, <laughs> yeah. how do I get that? But even though Dr. Blom could oversee these experiments, Alan Dulles realized that he and other Project Bluebird agents lacked both the scientific background and the imagination to really answer the questions they were asking. Mm. I mean, sure, Blom could inject mescaline into someone's spine. Sure. But he, like other concentration camp doctors like Joseph Mengele, were like a gang of psychopathic little boys setting cats on fire, then timing how long they took to burn to death. And that's they honestly, had, those are the nerdier versions of those little boys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They had great knowledge in how to kill other human beings, and they had great knowledge of how long it took to do so. But these Nazi doctors were hammers, and Dulles needed a scalpel. 
So, Dulles and a Bluebird operative named Richard Helms, director of the CIA after Alan Dulles, by the way, (laughs) decided that they needed a chemist with imagination. I don't think there should be. This is the problem. (laughs) No, you you need a creative chemist. No, we don't. We need a non-creative chemist. We need an empirical (laughs) fact-based chemist. Nope, this is going to be perfect. Furthermore, they needed someone who was willing to ignore legalities and conscience in the service of national security. That's the truly important part. Yeah. yeah. The man who ticked all these boxes was Sidney Gottlieb. Yeah, it's me! It's oh, me! Sydney, with chemicals, it's fun to do, eh? Come on! Sydney, don't, don't forget to come in on Tuesday for your horse blinders fitters. Excellent! <laughs> I look right down the tunnel. I don't right look anywhere else. Tunnel. I'm That's weaponizing right. Parmesan next week. <laughs> oh, that'll be great. Now, Sidney Gottlieb was not your typical military man, nor was he a former OSS officer like a lot of the other guys in the CIA. Instead, Gottlieb was among the first in a long line of weirdos employed by the CIA to run or inform covert operations. A committed gardener who lived in a lodge in the woods with outdoor toilets, Gottlieb meditated, wrote poetry, raised goats in his spare time, and was a lifelong enthusiast of folk dancing. That's how they humanize him in all these various things. They said, you know, you could never find Gottlieb without the newest folk music sheets in his hands and he was playing the piano and his little like elfin knees would lift as he goes plays his folk music while thinking of botulism folk is notoriously (laughs) non-violent folk is a peaceful music i mean uh what is it arlo guthrie no, the, the, no, not folk music, folk dancing. So mm-hmm. this oh, would, he didn't it, listen to music while doing it? <laughs> he did, but <laughs> it's not. When, but when you say what? folk dancing, it's not folk music that he's dancing to. You can't so see, what is you the, can't oh, see oh, this, hold on a but look at this. Yes, if you could see how I'm dancing, how would you describe how I'm dancing? <laughs> like like a teddy bear that came to life and realized it had no brain. That's folk dancing. <laughs> no, no, yeah, it's a, it's folk dancing where it, it's like it's okay. more cultural okay, type stuff. Where so it's it a, like, you know, like I Irish dancing, like the tap, like the tippity tap, 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 What I just did. What I just did. So if I go to a Ren fair, I will folk dance. Yeah, kind of, kind of, kind of, sort of. You galump dance. You, you, you stomp. You big man stomp. Lump dance. Sounds like a cancer. Well, it's like uh, remember in uh, it, to put it into your perspective, Ben, the guys that wear the later hosen and they do the slap dance, like slap, slap, clap, slap, <laughs> yeah, slap, clap, yes. clap. That's folk dancing. Folk now dancing. I understand. Yeah, Sydney Gottlieb loved it. Thank you for putting it in later hosen terms. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, in addition to having all these sweet, innocent fucking hobbies. He was also the director of the CIA's mind control programs for two decades. And as senior chemist, he worked as the CIA's chief poison maker. Gottlieb was born in the Bronx, the son of Orthodox Jews, which is ironic considering how much of his work was built on Nazi research. Inspired. Come on. (laughs) It's just inspired by. It's like story by in the movies. Nobody listens to that guy. They just got to give that guy credit so he doesn't fucking sue everybody. Right. Yeah. Okay. Gottlieb was also born with deformed feet that reportedly made his mother scream when he was born. Oh, and while he's like his... Eugene Levy's character in Best in Show when <laughs> yes. he has two left feet. <laughs> yes. And while his feet were corrected by the age of 12, Gottlieb walked with a lifelong limp. 
After starting his academic career at City College in New York, Gottlieb transferred to the University of Wisconsin, where he made a strong connection with Ira Baldwin. Baldwin, if you'll remember, would one day head government research into biological warfare during World War II. Hold on a second. So you mean to tell me that they were planning to uh, poison and kill thousands of people all in a Wisconsin accent? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, Bronx, so Wisconsin. we're going to take them. We'll take them down and oh, then we'll beat them. We, we'll you know them. what we need? Is we need the plague. We need a plague. <laughs> and uh, uh, I love my people, but nothing should ever be said seriously. As we've, if you've ever watched <laughs> any of the most it. recent trials, a Wisconsin accent is uh, not good. It's not judicial. No, it's not. <laughs> After graduating magna cum laude in 1940, is it magna cum laude? Magna I don't cum laude? Yeah, I don't magna... fucking know. I've never... I was I was 664 out of 666 students in high school. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I graduated like a 2.3 in college, so I was not magna cum laude. I was I had a 2.7. You fucking idiot. Whoa. Yeah. So 2.7. Whoa. 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 It's the math classes that really drug me down. Yeah. Same here. Well, Gottlieb earned a doctorate in biochemistry from Caltech just after America entered World War II. But since Gottlieb still had club feet, he couldn't enlist <laughs> even though he badly wanted to. Yeah. This Aww. inability to fight for his country during the war might have skewed his perspective a bit. Because once he did get a chance to serve his country working with the CIA, he would do anything without question. Eventually, Gottlieb got a job at the FDA developing tests to measure drugs in humans, which led to a job at the National Research Council in 1948. There, Gottlieb was exposed to what he called, quote-unquote, interesting work concerning ergot alkaloids <laughs> as vasoconstrictors and hallucinogens. That, of course, meant Albert Hoffman's LSD research. Yeah, man. Oh. He means by interesting work, he means I'm tripping balls. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Now, by this time, 1951, Operation Bluebird was already studying the effects of drugs, hypnosis, electroshock, and sensory deprivation on foreign prisoners. And they were convinced that what they were doing was not only right, but essential to the survival of the United States. See, as author Stephen Kinzer put it in his book, Poisoner in Chief, Senator Joe McCarthy, another Wisconsin boy, had yeah. convinced a large swath of the American public that communists had infiltrated the State Department. They hadn't. But even people who should have known better, like Alan Dulles, believed they had. They you wanted to. Did, you know who did infiltrate the U.S. government? Alcoholics. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. They were, the they were hammered. The they, were, they were spies against themselves. Yeah. Alcoholism <laughs> makes you a double agent against yourself. Um, but they, they, was, uh, they wanted to believe it. They wanted to think that this was true because then it validated what they did. And then they just acted like it was and then just moved on with no problem. Sure. Mm hmm Therefore, Dulles believed justified in using any technique to root out the commies. And even though Sidney Gottlieb had openly flirted with socialism in his youth, Dulles took a cue from Wild Bill Donovan from the OSS mm. in his opinion that he would put Stalin himself on the payroll if it meant defeating the enemy. You know how you decide if someone's Russian or not? You ask them if they can recreate an episode of Everybody Loves Raymond and see how <laughs> and they do. see what they do with it. Yeah. If they make it a crushing realization about the the authority and mm. what it's like to live in a um, kind of like a poverty state, then yes, they're Russian. But your mother lives across the street. Oh, <laughs> I watched a bunch of D German dubs of King of Queens the other day. It was highly unsettling. I mean, he's. 
What's his name? <laughs> what? Oh my Kevin God! James? I went fat man blind. <laughs> I don't know what happened. You're talking about Kevin James? Yeah, Kevin James. He doesn't hit the same in the hinterland. No. <laughs> so after three months of intelligence training, Gottlieb was given the official title of Chief of the Chemical Division of the Technical Services Staff and was charged with developing, testing, and building tools of espionage without oversight or limit. Now, you're going to hear the term, the TSS, it's going to come up a lot in the next couple of episodes as well. What they did, so within the CIA, you remember, we had the idea guys, and we had the guys that like to beat people up. Right. Like, so you had the hard boys, and you had the soft boys. This was when the soft boys were no longer really giving the government what they wanted. Like, this is, they were frustrating, like, Project Bluebird was frustrating for them. And then also, they were all, like, complaining about the emotional burnout they all had from torturing people. Blah, 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 blah. So they could created the TSS as like a new, new branch within the CIA that would actually then cover the even more nefarious hard shit to, again, further compartmentalize it, make it farther away from everybody else. So eventually no one would know what anybody was doing at any time. You make no. a, a great point. There should be a new hostile movie where the torturer, it begins where he's clocking out. And I want to see what happens when he goes home. It's home. And he's just like, man, another, I'm getting bored with this shit. Oh, yeah. I just, I'm so over it. Knees. I'm over yeah. it. TSS, they also did fun stuff, though. They, all the stuff you see at the International Spy Museum in Washington, D.C., mm. that was the TSS. They did like rubber airplanes. They made escape kits that could be concealed as rectal suppositories. Whoa. Yeah. And the best part about the International <laughs> Spy Museum is that you don't know what's propaganda and what's not. And they list all these funny little information, these things. What was also put out in of spies and stratagems, that was the first time we see all of those kind of like the fun things that they did and the weapons they made and all the technology that they did. And it seems in my mind that none of it worked in operation and a lot of it was just plans and ideas that they put out to project this a an ability to do things that they didn't have the ability to do yeah. mm -hmm. well once sydney gottlieb's position was established alan dulles decided that operation bluebird had not gone far enough it needed to be expanded, intensified, and centralized. So in 1951 it was reworked and renamed to Project Artichoke. So named. It's a spiky It's a spiky vegetable. It's hard to get to the center of. Yeah, yeah. that's true. It's named artichoke. They're not quite sure. It was either named because artichokes were Alan Dulles's favorite vegetable. That's disgusting. Yeah. The idea that it's your favorite vegetable. Like I, I like love, artichokes. I love artichokes. I, I like them. Wonderful. Yeah, but they're not my. To make them your favorite vegetable. Yeah, uh, I guess. I don't think that's the biggest indictment on his character. Uh, no, no, he's no. got to lose. be fair. Yeah. Or it was named after a uh, New York gangster known as the Artichoke King. Why him? Well, I don't know, because I looked up the Artichoke King, and his whole thing was that he bought all the artichokes that were coming into New York City, and then he would <laughs> charge three times what he what he bought them for. No, you're talking about capitalism at work. Capitalism at its finest. Yeah, that's another victim of the artichoke killer. You can yeah. tell because the artichoke's in his ass. <laughs> He's a simple man, and that's why I understand him. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, Alan Dulles was also rising in the ranks of the CIA. He was promoted to deputy director the same year artichoke was christened, making Dulles the number two man, giving him carte blanche to carry out whatever experiments he deemed necessary. Now, the goals of Artichoke were similar to Bluebird, but the scope was much larger. The program was extended to more black sites outside of Germany and Japan, specifically to Fort Clayton in the Panama Canal Zone. 
There, a Bulgarian prisoner named Dmitry Dimitrov, codenamed Kelly, became the first subject of Project Artichoke. Wait a Somebody, second. Hold on. They were like, what was your name, Dmitry Dimitrov? We'll call you Kelly. I mean, what, what are you going to do? What happened here? You just <laughs> pick random ass names. They're not supposed to have anything. Technically, all the uh, the secret names, top secret operation names, yeah. they're supposed to have nothing to do with anything because it would, uh, would appear random. Mm-hmm. See, Dimitrov had been working with the CIA, but his handlers had become suspicious of his motives, despite his insistence that his only loyalty was to the CIA. This is the problem. They're like, the thing is, man, okay, we're the CIA. Right. And I don't trust me, right? Because I'm <laughs> yeah. CIA. And then because you just said that you're CIA, I can't trust you because everybody says that they're CIA again and again and again. And everybody knows the only people who are CIA are podcast comedians. <laughs> <laughs> that are out there pumping disinformation right. to really fuck with the Webbies. Yeah. yeah. Well, God knows. It's about destabilizing the, the iHeart Radio Awards. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Everyone loves their Webby. So after the CIA tortured Dimitrov for six months in a Greek prison, Jeez. he was shipped to Fort Clayton where he was subjected to artichoke interrogation experiments. The A treatment. Yeah. Now, most of the experiments prisoners were subjected to under Project Artichoke would qualify as medical torture that was not too far off from what the Nazis have been prosecuted for about five years previous. But no, Marcus, we won the war. Okay. Ah, that's Remember? Right. We won. So it's different now. Now it's a celebration. Yeah. Well, and also uh, America did not take on any of the Nuremberg laws uh, mm. that most other countries did. We just said, nah, we're not going to do it because a lot of them did have to do with human experimentation. Uh, and convenience. Part <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, part of the Nuremberg experiment, part of the Nuremberg laws was that you had to have the unqualified permission of a person to experiment upon them. And the United States looked at that and said, nah, nah. Also, if you get a chance during the Nuremberg trials, when the uh, Germans pretend like they were not anti-Semitic, oh, when yes. they pretend like they had no idea what was going on with the Jews, it's it's some of the greatest German acting. Oh, they try to act. They go like, what? Like whoa, You could see them whoa. practicing the surprised faces when they it's, look at the pictures of the concentration camps going like, whoa, oh. It's something special. Well, unwilling prisoners like Dimitrov would be dosed with potent drugs, subjected to extremes of temperature and sound, and, stra and strapped to electroshock machines, all in the service of finding the best way to ride a man's mind like a broken horse. Now, we'll Dang. find that these techniques, and we'll go through them, uh, especially in the next couple episodes, where like, they would become more refined. But I was trying to look up like what exactly was the sequence of events that would happen when you go in one of these interrogation rooms during this time period. And I can't find one. So as what far it, as the order? or Well, just like what? how was the process going? So it really did, see, truly it does seem, and if you know any different, side stories, LPOTL at yeah, gmail.com, I'd love to know. But from what I see, it really does seem like it was a game of like, what are we gonna do today? Yeah, let's it's see what it, let's see what he does today. Yeah, like yeah. let's see what let's see how we let's see how he responds when we take the puppy away. Judging, you know I mean, all the Ghostbusters too. <laughs> shit. Judging by our most recent example with Abu Ghraib, I think it is improv. Yeah, they just mm -hmm. sit and be like, okay, let's see what, what do he does do now. Today? Put electrodes on their nuts. See what okay. he does. See if he screams. Yeah, doesn't like it. He doesn't Check. like it. Doesn't Check. like it. Check. Check. <laughs> like it. Doesn't like it. It's just two big columns. <laughs> Mostly doesn't like it. This one guy comes every time. <laughs> really weird. Somehow, though, Dimitrov survived for 
three years. Oh my gosh, what a nightmare. Until the CIA decided, ah, he's all right. You're all right. We yeah. you know said you're all right. You know what? Yeah. I mean, well, dude, that's what we did. How many guys are still in fucking Guantanamo Bay that we put in there in 2002 they, that we still wow. haven't decided, ah, you're all right. All right. What are like, you doing? You're all right. Get out of yeah. here. What do yeah, you do? A guy, I heard a thing the other day about a guy who's like still in there. He's like, I don't know why the fuck I'm here and no one will tell me. Well, now it's scary because they're like, if we let him go, he's going to be mad. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Oh, maybe we just keep him in here. Apparently, he knows what that secret spice is that goes into the KFC chicken. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And after three years, they just released Dimitrov back into the world to rave for decades about the ill treatment he had received from the CIA. Now, the experiments performed on Dimitrov, just like those performed in Germany and Japan, produced no worthwhile results, nor did they come any closer to answering the questions Dulles wanted answered. But Dulles had convinced himself that the Soviets had definitely discovered the secrets of mind control, especially after America was introduced to the concept of brainwashing. Now, these days, brainwashed is sort of a hokey term used mostly to describe people who fall in with cults. But back in the early 50s, this was a legitimate term used by anti-communist propagandists to terrify the American public. I mean, it's still out there. It still floats. Uh, now, the, just so you know, because if you type in Dr. Kurt Blom into my search engine, it is all anti-vax shit. It's all like really intense conspiracy theories. Like, people really, you, you'd be surprised how affected people are about the idea of brainwashed. And we just oh, had fucking absolutely. Rudy Giuliani on the fucking secret singer bullshit. Masked just, singer. Whatever. Masked Who singer. gives a fucking shit? Where it's just another being like, no, we're all the same. It doesn't we're, matter totally that he tried normal. to flip the government. It doesn't matter. Totally normal, yeah. Well, in September of 1951, a rabid anti-communist and former OSS propaganda specialist named Edward Hunter published an article in the Miami Daily News entitled... Brainwashing tactics force Chinese into ranks of Communist Party. This article claimed that a secret communist Chinese program had been developed that controlled people's minds. This program was called Xi Now, which Hunter claimed, roughly translated, to wash brain. It's not good. Mm, no. uh, but, you know, but, you know, the, who knows? Again, who knows? Because, like, what does it mean? Like, what exactly were they doing over there versus what we were doing? It seems that we uh, we really expanded upon the concept in yeah. a truly American way. Well, you could say culture is no more than brainwashing, and that is our major export. Interesting. I know that's how mm. you win. That's how I've won a cultural victory in Civ 6. It's the most boring way to do it, but I've won. Yeah. Well, I mean, with the Chinese, from what I know about the what they talked about, like at least the Chinese um, interrogators at this time is that they would basically take a guy out. They would torture him for a while and then like bring him back and, and kind of use positive reinforcement with the other sure. prisoners where the prisoners would say, like, have you become a communist yet? Like, we would love it if you would. And so they just had it was a good cop, bad cop thing. But with yeah. the other prisoners, I mean, it was sense. certainly psychological. Yeah, of course. Uh, but that, but nowhere, that's, very, that's interesting. Yeah, but. It's a psychological thing, but it's very much a long-term thing. Because they'll show you a lifestyle, too. Like, they will go and be like, you could live like this. Like, we have yeah. these things. Where you can come here, you can find a nice communist wife. And you can you can literally, like, do all of this kind of shit. It's like, it's communist birthright. <laughs> you go. <laughs> Well, eventually, Hunter expanded this article into a book called Brainwashing in Red China, which urged Americans to prepare for psychological warfare on an unimaginable scale, not realizing that the true psychological warfare would not come until the age of social media. Nice. 
Now, no matter what the Chinese were actually doing, the American public seized on the brainwashing concept as a way to explain nonconformist behavior, especially anything that they deemed anti-American or unorthodox. In turn, the CIA backed this propaganda and publicly announced that the communists had definitely mastered brainwashing techniques. Secretly, Dulles became convinced that the mind control gap was widening. Therefore, more extreme measures became, in Dulles's view, a moral duty. It's very interesting to see how the CIA, they still wanted public opinion on their side. There is something also like inherently, how do I'm going to put this in a way, you know, you people who listen to the CIA, my bosses are going to be so mad. You're thinking about the CIA is that they're so needy. Like they, they just want to be loved like everybody else. It is really they really feel like this. They want to be these heroes, right? They want yeah. they they have this idea that they are the hero, that they're the center of the story. Um, when actually it turns out that that actually means you're very you're very evil. Um, because you do all these things on an ideological basis, which ends up be, because you get tunnel vision, right? You think that you're doing this for the the good of the world, right? When you're like, no, you're hurting people. All you do is create more pain, and then that's a cycle of violence that just like reverberates psychically throughout all of us because. It goes through the human unconscious and it makes us all more violent yeah well it's not good no nope. well that's not good <laughs> but it's weird how they did this full like pu- they did a full c- publicity campaign for brainwashing and propagandize in america to convince the people that this was so important that they then would have a mandate to mm. go do it which is very i don't i don't really know why they even needed one yeah, I don't think they really did. Well, I will say it probably did help them get back up from the quote unquote officials up top. So like if you have the president believing in it, too, where he's looking at his poll numbers and he's saying, well, everybody's believing in it. And then it does help them, I guess, get funds. So well, it I guess keep, it does work. Well, it's, it funds and uh, permission. Keep doing yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Keep the paranoia going. Live from your grave. Shopping for humans is hard, but shopping for your dog is easy. Thanks to Bark because dog can't give you its opinion. But every month we deliver dogs and treats just for your pup because they deserve to be spoiled. And then the dog shows you what they like. It's incredible. Only I could teach Wendy to use an iPad. She's so resistant. She scratches it up, barks at it, barks at me. But if she could use it, she'd order BarkBox for herself. At Bark, we send your dog a whole new collection of toys and treats made just for them every single month. And for a limited time, We'll double your first box for free. How about that? Wendy loves her little toys. Carmi has become quite a terrorist when it comes to her toys. And she's a murderer. She rips these things up. But, you know, we got some high quality, tough toys from BarkBox. And she absolutely loves them. And our family could not be happier. (laughs) And if you just want a slice of this joy, you got to go to BarkBox. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash left. That's right. You can sign up now at BarkBox.com slash L-E-F-T for this exclusive offer. This ad is now over. Let's go back to petting our dogs. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. Yeah, very key. You gotta communicate clearly. All these emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. It's like you're Captain Kirk and Grammarly is Data. And you're kissing a lady on another planet. And Data is just trying to make sure you write better. Better writing means a stronger impact. And Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. And by understanding your writing and context, 
Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. It did begin to understand when I was yelling and when I was doing bits versus me, because I do use Grammarly, but it's nice. But I will also say Grammarly does will do the thing where it's like, um, I think maybe you missed a little comma, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, I know. Thank you, Grammarly. Like, thank, I get it. Yes. But still, like, maybe we could just think about what I'm going through today, right? But Grammarly really does help because that's what we all need. A stern teacher with glasses and uh, little buckled shoes. That's Grammarly to me. That's what I see. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Getting engaged is special for so many reasons. Planning the perfect proposal. Oh, I want to do it at the Hindenburg. (laughs) I want to do it at the Hindenburg Memorial. Celebrating your love and looking forward to the rest of your lives. And if you're lucky, it's short. The only part that's not so special, shopping for an engagement ring, if you don't know what you're doing. That's where BlueNile.com comes in. Especially if you don't feel like talking to your mother. BlueNile.com is the original online jeweler. Since 1999, they've helped millions of couples create their perfect engagement ring with little or no feedback from their mother. With Blue Nile, you can create a brilliant piece at a price you won't find at a traditional jeweler. Why use anything traditional? Blue Nile also offers a diamond price guarantee, which means that they can usually meet or beat a competitor's price on a comparable diamond. And I sent you to Steven, my guy, but you still refuse and you decide to go with your Blue Nile little thing because, oh, it's got 100% satisfaction guarantee with guaranteed free shipping and returns. And sometimes Steven doesn't answer your calls and sometimes Steven loses the rings. But that's where you don't understand because Steven was there for me when your father wasn't. And honestly, so now is Blue Nile because every time I call, they pick up with the 24-7 customer support and they hear all about my hands hurting and how I've got, they have to reverse my feet at the doctor. They, they said, and they, but eventually they said it's temporary. They're going to put it back forward. But oh, thank you, Blue Nile, for not picking up, even though I texted my son. Right now, you can get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more with code LASTPODCAST at BlueNile.com. That's $50 off with code LASTPODCAST at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Well, Project Artichoke also had subset assignments to glean other kinds of practical knowledge in the pursuit of the main goal. It was suggested, and by the way, we're about to get into a lot of suggestions. suggestions. Go, hey, say just suggestions. These are oh, just like, this, we're just throwing out ideas here. We're spitballing. Is this a moment where I could say, or could it be? <laughs> Seriously, yeah. Big <laughs> if true. This is, Big your, if true. this is your time. It was suggested that gas guns, gas jets, and gas sprays should be studied as delivery devices. Additionally, it was suggested they study the problem of permanent brain injury following exposure to these gases, as well as suggesting finding out what depriving a brain of oxygen for long periods of time might do. It's suggesting, in case, just in case you come across this uh, this eventuality, make sure to study it. So no, we first, know what it does. It first, makes your buddy Timmy pass. 
pass out at the sleepover. Well, that is true. <laughs> I mean, I, that is kind of nice. The CIA was just playing the choke out game, drinking yeah. Mountain Dew, getting a little get wild. Pizza Hut, shitting your pants because you passed out. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah bring it back, huh? So much Pizza Hut, you shit. <laughs> oh, you choke each other out. So much Pizza Hut, I shit. <laughs> Echoing Unit 731, it was also suggested that Project Arctic Joke examine the effects of high and low pressures on the human body, as well as the effects of vibrations, monotonous sounds, concussion, ultra-high frequency, and ultrasonics. In the bid to break the mind of a prisoner, they also suggested testing the efficacy of constantly repeated words, sounds, continuous suggestion, non-rhythmic sounds, and whispering, all to see what it would do to a prisoner's psyche. I just had a fucking chill around my spine. It's literally the hashtags, trending topics, and ASMR. Yeah. <laughs> it's just <laughs> all there. It's the I, whole internet culture. If I would uh, be like, we're going to put a nail in your fucking brain, we're going to waterboard you, we're going to grab your dick and, you know, do whatever with it, or I'm going to whisper. No. I would be like, I'll, you can whisper I'll take all the whisper. You can whisper all day. You know what? Now that I think about it, I wrap my dick around my leg. <laughs> I hate this. Unless you're that amaranth woman because she has big boobies. <laughs> you must hear them. Well, in practical application... They developed moving or vibrating rooms, distorted rooms, Whoa. phobia rooms, <laughs> overly damp or overly dry rooms, and perhaps worst of all, completely soundproof rooms. One day this will be known as Hollywood Horror Nights. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it just sounds like a New York City apartment building except for the soundproof rooms. Yeah, yeah. that's very true. Soundproof rooms, uh, it's supposed to be a torture that you cannot imagine being in a completely and Dude, totally soundproof Have you room. seen those rooms? Because you can hear your blood. Like you can yeah. hear your brain going like. Yeah. These, uh, yeah. these new prisons we're making that are supposed to be so wonderful or, or much more inhumane. And mm -hmm. they do that now in solitary. Sound dampening? They do sound dampening. The doors, there's two doors. And yeah, the people, after a couple of years in there, they oh. come out. And the man, then they just sit down and do an interview on camera. And it really is like an alien conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, finally, Project Artichoke was also told that under no circumstances oh. would the agency consider lobotomy or brain surgery as an operative measure. We have Wait. rules here. <laughs> Hold this on a second. This is outback. All of a okay. Sudden, there are rules here. <laughs> but they did feel that the subject, quote, could be examined hmm. if... The opportunity presented itself. So hold on a second. So you you are going to do lobotomies? No. Under no circumstances should you do lobotomy, except but for some specific. This is great. Circumstances. I wonder why but no one if, trusts the government. But if you walk, but if you walk into a room and a guy's doing a lobotomy, oh, pay attention. We're already here. We're wow. already doing it. Wow. He's got the ice sure. picks out. Oh, man, now you're rationalizing how I buy pork at the store. Yes. I'm like, it's already dead. <laughs> it's already dead. <laughs> I was like, it would be rude not to eat it. <laughs> well, from a results standpoint, the biggest problem faced by Project Artichoke was that the researchers were scientists and doctors with no training in psychology, which was mm. ostensibly the whole thrust behind this fucking thing. Therefore, everything was trial and error done without any real knowledge of why they were doing anything. I mean, if you're going to experiment on me, figure something out. Just tell like, me <laughs> you got something. Figure out how to like figure out how to get the whole just right in the bag. You can break my mind with hypnotism and barbiturates, but also like make my dick bigger. Do you something. Mean, like, throw something. Get throw me a bone here. Be the person that suggests having a Bud Light backer with a Bloody Mary. 
Whatever it might be. Wow. It's not bad. Now, on the chemical research side of things, scientists back at Fort Detrick outside of Washington, D.C., were hard at work producing chemical compounds for what they called artichoke work in addition <laughs> to delivery systems for said chemicals. And then also now I got an email basically called what they called the the Fort Detrick cancer bubble, which is the idea what? that like to this day, the cancer rates around Fort Detrick skyrocket. There's a couple of articles I was reading. It's, it's wild and very scary. Wow. The Fort Detrick scientist constructed a four story high, 131 ton chamber officially called the one million liter test sphere. This is kind of metal. Yeah. It's scary. But to the men who built it, it was known only as the eight the ball. Eight ball. <laughs> oh my like putty from Seinfeld. <laughs> eight ball. Oh my gosh. This structure consisted of five airtight humidity and temperature controlled ports for which toxins could be sprayed on subjects trapped inside. These chambers allowed scientists to test potency of toxins under different conditions, meaning they can see if certain chemicals, fungi, or bacteria would work better in, say, Moscow or Cuba. Could it be Mm. cold and dry or hot and wet? Which one's going to be better? They do it like how they test Gore-Tex for raincoats. (laughs) Seriously, yeah. Wow. But among the most active men who would fly back and forth between Fort Detrick and the German torture house at Villa Schuster was Morse Allen, director of Project Bluebird. Morse Allen was particularly fixated on the application of electricity, and he became obsessed with using electroshock to induce amnesia or put subjects into vegetative states. And it's definitely a thing that what it does is it cooks your brain. And uh, a lot of times after these experiments, you don't go back to normal. Like they can induce amnesia. They can, quote unquote, erase your memory. But you don't come back as Tommy anymore. You're not Tommy. You're you're Grigor. You're Mr. Electro Man. I've been hit 66 66 times. I mean, electroshock therapy these days, they figured it out. Like it's very small, tiny. Of course. But back then, it's it's just turning on the fucking juice. It was to melt. It was to melt your personality. Right. Morse Allen was also one of the first in the program to become interested in hypnosis, which would become highly important to MKUltra later on. In search of hypnotic knowledge, Allen studied with an unnamed hypnotist who freely and proudly said he used hypnotism to rape women. It's not a good party, like, good line. It doesn't make anybody laugh. No one likes it. No. Right. Morse Allen brought these techniques back to the CIA and found that he could put employees into trances that could turn the most chaste employees into flirts or the most tight-lipped secretaries into gossips. I don't remember this. I don't remember this Kathy comic strip. I just saw <laughs> I don't remember when, when she got hypnotized and fucked the office. Again, she's like, why we can't ever fucking trust a single person with a, a watch, a stopwatch, anything <laughs> like this idea of like he used it immediately to be like, this is so Debbie yeah. wants to look at my penis. And just like, yep. that's what this is what we've done. It's a good point. John Brennan's of the world. Anytime you see CIA, secret intelligence, anything in the Chiron, can't trust him. No. Nope. But for Project Artichoke. The holy grail was the discovery and application of a single wonder drug that would loosen tongues, open the mind to programming, or wipe memories. All of this depending, of course, on the guidance that agents gave the subject. 
<laughs> now, the OSS had already proved that marijuana was effectively useless, but Project Artichoke mm. figured they'd give it another shot. All right. Again, dosing each other with candy, salad dressing, and mashed potatoes. This is fun. Now there's a whole industry. Breathe into my mouth, bro. Take a big hit and then breathe it into my mouth. Funky shotgun. (laughs) When they finally just smoked it, though, they found that it produced nothing more than, quote, a state of irresponsibility, a relaxing of inhibitions, and an accentuation of humor to the point where any statement can become extremely funny. That's so easy to monetize. They didn't understand how good it was. And this is like a new... I actually don't even think that this weed was very good. I think that the tincture was probably good, but I imagine that like... I bet it was We got good now. I, no, 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 we no. don't. We have too strong weed now. We need to have some berries. There's oh, there's yeah. you're still in Well, you're still in New York. You don't get the full gradient yet. Once yeah. you get the full gradients and you see all the different, there's now it's all hyper specific. It it's is. not like this shit that they smoked in like Vietnam where I like yeah. out of a fucking the barrel of a shotgun. You know what I mean? That kind of shit. <laughs> no, man. Becky, this is just jazz bones, man. Just yeah, fucking jazz bones. hitting it hard. <laughs> yeah. It quit created that noise. A man's be like, Man, what the fuck? What if I hit the drums with these tiny fucking fans I found in? <laughs> They're all like, fuck yeah, tiny little drum noises, man. People love it when people drum hard, but like, what if <laughs> the drum really sucks? The whole point is, dude, what I do is I skip like five notes to the song and everybody calls me a fucking genius. <laughs> I got a boner. Well, after we- <laughs> This is a great day to be in the CIA. It is. Well, after weed was deemed useless, artichoke scientists tried cocaine. By experimenting okay. on mental patients. Talk about getting them to talk. I mean, yeah. okay. well, they, they said that cocaine produced elation and talkativeness, which was good, but found that what subjects said was ultimately unreliable. Yeah, it was like I did the experiment with Grigor, and then the next thing I know is like he didn't show up to the half marathon that he promised that he was going to show up with me for at 11 a.m. Yeah, I know, that's glad <laughs> his feet were itchy. Yeah, it was unfortunate. But if you want to find out, like, what are the effects of cocaine, ask anyone in Congress. I mean, you don't think Joseph McCarthy was lit off his freaking ass? Matt Gates is what happens oh with cocaine Lord. in the government. God, human used condom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Next was heroin, which CIA memos noted was used frequently by police and intelligence officers to either disorient or hook prisoners on the drug. Think about how Mm. common it was. Think about how common it was that it was listed as an operative measure. Being like, cops use this to fucking fuck with people all the time. And you're like, oh, what? What was that? (laughs) Who said that? Yeah. Yeah, they'd hook them on heroin and then take it away to produce a talkative desperation for, of course, more heroin. Additionally, the U.S. Navy had already sponsored a secret program called Project Chatter to study the effects of heroin amongst other drugs. Now, Project Chatter is fucking terrifying. That yeah. is scary, dude. That's yeah. a centibite. Yep. Yeah. And they'd paid a psychologist at the University of Rochester uh, $300,000 to do it. His name, interestingly enough, George Went. Whoa, Whoa, Norm. Dude, if George Went gave me all of my acid, I'd be like, yeah, I don't want to do this, but you're still George Went. Who is the norm of acid? Is it Jerry Garcia? (laughs) Yeah. Jerry. Jerry. Yeah, Jerry Garcia. I think that's fair. Yeah, well, students were paid a dollar an hour to take heroin so George Went could watch. Boring. But, (laughs) (laughs) But ultimately, George Went declared that heroin held little value for interrogation. But speaking of Project Chatter, it also involved chemical research done by the Nazis at the concentration camps with mescaline. We already paid for it. 
It's another yeah. thing. It's like, we've already paid for all this research. We might as well yeah, use it. Yeah, they're like, well, it's already done. Oh. Mm -hmm. Mescaline, synthesized in laboratories from peyote, had been a top contender for a mind-controlled drug by the Nazis. And by the way, those Nazis in Operation Paperclip, they were saying, we still haven't reached the limit of mescaline. We need to do look into mescaline more. Artichoke scientists, however, deemed it too unpredictable to be useful. Now, it seemed like the CIA had hit the end of the road as far as the search for the pharmacological holy grail went. But as Gottlieb poured through reports of drug experiments, he noticed that very little research had been done concerning LSD. Being a curious man, Gottlieb tried LSD himself first. For a trip guide, he chose a former officer in the World War II Chemical Warfare Service named Harold Abramson. I don't know if that's a good idea. <laughs> this is the thing, man. Is he going to bring you orange slices? Is no. he going to change the TV when it's a little too fucking, when it's harsh in your shit? Is he going to do what Marcus did when we were tripping balls off of mushrooms and we couldn't figure out how to turn the music on and then Marcus fixed it? He yeah. saved everyone. He saved, saved the, the night. the entire night. That is true. That is true. And I did that even after you were mean to me. So, yeah. Well, I you gotta said have a good one mean thing to you. <laughs> you were out of control <laughs> on acid. <laughs> well, this guy, Harold Abramson, he was one of the few scientists who had actually done LSD. So, yeah, he was mm. a pretty good trip guide. Gottlieb's trip was first rate. He reported out-of-body feelings, yo, 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 a yo, sense yo, of well-being and euphoria, yo, 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 yo. and the sensation that his entire body was encased in a shimmering, semi-transparent sausage skin. Whoa, Harry, wait, <laughs> Harry, Harry, wait, Harry, am I a hot dog? Bro? <laughs> no, no, bro, be serious with me, bro. Am I a fucking hot dog right now, bro? <laughs> no, no, you're still a person, dude. Fuck. Fuck me. <laughs> yeah, I get it, dude. I yeah, man. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just I know that little, feeling. I know exactly yeah. what he's saying. We're yeah. all encased in just meat. We're in a meat case. Mm. Well, soon Gottlieb began testing LSD on volunteer CIA colleagues oh. and scientists at Fort Detrick. Some agreed to trip in controlled settings, but others gave permission to be surprised no, with a no, dose. It's no, interesting. I don't want to be dosed. No. I don't want to be dosed ever. No. It's not fun to not know you're about to go insane. No. Oh my God, what a nightmare. But the yeah. breakdown of the experiences of the various officers are really interesting because a lot of the officers that got it, like, well, you know, they were very professional and they would be like, disorientation. I feel a dizziness. I feel that, you know, there is an accentuated uh, thing to my version. There's something to my vision. But... Some of these guys, every once in a while, you had what's called enlightened. They got, they became enlightened officers where there was like one dude that started weeping when they gave it to him and he was crying because he did the thing where he was just like, we're all like layers of the same consciousness and you know we are of the same matter of birds and trees. We're all in the same global economy and stuff. And he started crying. I'm starting and, to think this guy's a communist. But they literally, they looked at him and they note being like, seem that this dose caused sadness like they couldn't understand crying from beauty right. like they would just thought like yeah subject sad must eliminate also make fun of barry on monday yeah. for being a pussy yeah. <laughs> don't forget that guys well eventually those fair warning tests reached their limits and gottlieb began dosing cia trainees without warning oh my god what is happening man they no rules yeah then, once the trainee was high, he would be interrogated to see if he would violate oaths and promises. Oh, God. I would rather be abducted by aliens. I would rather be Barney Hill. 
The breakthrough for Gottlieb came when an officer was dosed and revealed a secret he swore he would never reveal. Then he forgot the entire episode once he was no longer tripping. And with this, up. He's just yeah. fucking yeah. hammered. He's like, yeah, man, we all fucking kissed our roommates in college, man. We all fucking did it, man. You know, I'm like, starting to think this guy's a communist. <laughs> With this, Gottlieb felt that they were finally on the right track. However, LSD proved to be almost as unpredictable as mescaline. Those who got surprise doses experienced intense distortions of time, place, and body image, which more often than not culminated in full-blown paranoid reactions. They didn't know they're on acid, so they think they're losing their fucking minds. Yeah, yeah. and acid's a hard way to go. Even oh mushrooms, if you gosh. lightly have mushrooms, you can kind of slide into a trip and understand what's going on. But acid comes on hard, especially yeah. this shit. Mm-hmm. Old school shit directly old school from old acid, yeah. fucking uh, oh. from old owl eyes, fucking spout like the like, you know <laughs> you fuck you, you trip hard it's fast. Also, yeah. like you didn't get you, you you don't work at a nightclub, which theoretically, if you get dosed, you'd be like, oh, at least I'm here. Oh. Um, but like you're at the CIA headquarters, which is around not some of the most friendly. buttoned up, stuck up people in the world. Yeah, it must smell horrible once you like the office setting and tripping. Yeah, and then you're getting interrogated by your boss. Oh, my God. That's horrifying. Yeah. We should try but, it here at the network. Yeah, we should. Great. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> Fernando's shaking his head. Oh, he's saying no. It's a violation against human rights. Ben, you guys, have, you guys, don't, uh, you guys never got an office. Step into the hallway then. <laughs> Fernando, step into the bathroom. We're, we're, we're going to meet over at Kissel's office, Big Wangs. <laughs> <laughs> but on the other side... Trippers would also ride the wave and have ecstatic or transcendental experiences in which they would become convinced that they could defy their interrogators indefinitely. Sure. Dude, I love it. It is kind of funny if you can flip it and be like, so I'm not going to get fired for this. I'm going to interrogate you. (laughs) Therefore, hallucinations either way were more of a hindrance than an aid to interrogation. But since LSD was so unpredictable, it was suggested by security officers that it be used as a kind of psychedelic suicide pill, where agents would take it in the event of capture, so all they'd say during their interrogations was pure gibberish. Oh, God, I can't even imagine. Then tripping in an enemy jail, like in a combatant jail. Yeah. Contradictory to this method, though, security officers also drug CIA agents with LSD as a kind of mind control vaccine in case the Soviets ever captured them and gave them LSD. So you would know what LSD was like if the Soviets ever captured you and gave you LSD. Got I will you. tell you what, though, each trip is different. It is. And yep. you really don't get used to it. Like, I, I love it. I love tripping on acid. But it definitely, each time I've done it, it has been a unique time. I don't mm-hmm. know why. For me, acid hurts my bones. My yeah, veins. you say that. because I, I think it's because it's like an upper and you're up. Like, you run around. I have no idea. Ah, interesting. But while LSD was proving to be more slippery than Gottlieb had hoped, he was still convinced that chemicals were the future. And in 1951, he flew to Tokyo with CIA scientists to test what they'd learned from chemical interrogation experiments on four Japanese citizens suspected of being covert Russian agents. The key word there is suspected. Suspected. (laughs) They are not. We we don't know if they were. Right. Gottlieb and these CIA scientists injected these prisoners with an alternating variety of depressants and stimulants under questioning. And when all four confessed to being Russian agents, false confessions or not, they were executed. 
and their oh. bodies were dumped in the Tokyo Bay. So you're really going to kill me? I thought this was all a trip. No, no, no. no. Now you, you trip and then you die. Whoa. Well, soon after, the CIA team flew to South Korea, where the experimentation was repeated on 25 North Korean prisoners of war. Whoa. This time, however, the goal was not confession, but renunciation. Mm. These POWs were drugged and told to renounce communism. But when they refused, all 25 were executed. We're executed. Oh, okay. I thought <laughs> yes. you were going to say we're yes. giving small franchises with McDonald's to understand no, that no, no, they does were have executed. some merit. And there is no. some, maybe, maybe a mix of both. But even though the flip hadn't worked, the confessions had. So, one out of two, that ain't bad. So <laughs> <laughs> They're just also I'm saying okay. whatever. They're just okay. saying shit. Yeah, but that, but at the time, they're like, okay, well, these guys confessed, so we got to keep going with this. So Dulles again expanded the program in 1952 and set up a safe house in Munich for Project Artichoke scientists. There, they were given permission to experiment on hundreds of so-called expendables. For months, they gave prisoners massive amounts of drugs and sometimes given electroconvulsive shocks on the insistence of Morse Allen. Why don't we shock him a little bit? Come on. Uh, <laughs> let's get him a little bit. Let's get him one more. And Bro, like, if you thought right, about like just like tanning or like doing, <laughs> maybe vitamin D would help you. Nah, man, nah. Every single attempt failed and every single expendable was killed and had their bodies burned. But Dulles figured that they just hadn't found the right angle. And since he had a good feeling about Gottlieb, Dulles Oof. got to work making formal arrangements to give Gottlieb the power to take Project Artichoke in whatever direction he deemed necessary. What I'm going to do is I'm going to spike the New York Mets' water <laughs> since they lose in the Subway Series to my fucking Bronx Bummers. <laughs> well, don't forget the dude, uh, what was it, Doc something, who pitched a perfect game. On Ripping balls on acid. Yeah. So maybe it'll make the Mets better. But this agreement gave Gottlieb the authority to feed drugs in much larger doses under far more torturous conditions to prisoners and other helpless subjects such as mental patients, all to see what he could see. And that is where <sighs> we're going to see a lot of that in the coming yes. episodes where the, as we go when this thing really right. fucking expands. Mm -hmm. Soon after, Gottlieb's power increased when Dwight Eisenhower was elected president. Eisenhower appointed Truman's CIA director as his undersecretary of state, which meant that Alan Dulles was promoted from number two to head of the CIA. And this wasn't good. Additionally, Alan Dulles's brother, John Foster Dulles, was named secretary of state, which meant that the CIA had the full support of the State Department. Whoa. This gave Dulles all the diplomatic cover he needed to continue running black sites all over the world. And this truly was how the black sites got established, where mm. U.S. has black, the CIA has black sites, and that's just the way it fucking is. That's what is. we do. That's what we do now, yeah. So, with total freedom from consequence or question, Gottlieb got to work following any avenue that he thought might lead to results. And since he needed more doctors willing to expand the program, he brought in a sociopath from the New York Psychiatric Institute named Albert Hawk. 
Now, instead of confining experiments to prisoners of war, Gottlieb was now expanding the scope to include unwitting American citizens. Mm. And he was putting non-military personnel in charge of said experiments. It yeah, always this is, comes home. And these are like the pilot programs for what come next. So this mm-hmm. is like them starting the the beginning work so that would become the octopus of malice that is MKUltra. Yeah. And since Albert Hawk had no conscience or scruples whatsoever, he agreed to inject mescaline into his unwitting patients without their consent or knowledge just to see what he could see. Hawk's first subject was a professional tennis player named Harold Blower, who'd just gone through a nasty divorce and was seeking treatment for depression. You see, because, you know, honestly... Love is like a game of tennis. It right? really Love is. starts at zero, but it can go all the way to 45. And you're never really out until you're out. you got to play close to the net. That's just what I know about love. I'm a professional <laughs> tennis player. Well, for some reason, Dr. Hawk figured Blower was the perfect subject. So he began injecting Blower with mescaline without telling him what he was doing. What in the hell? I bet you he thought that he was like, he's secure. He's yeah. got great ankles. Um, <laughs> he does his cardio. Like he must really be. He's I, fit. How happy do you think a tennis player in the fifties going through a divorce is? I don't know. They throw their rackets a lot. I know yeah. that. Well, over a period of about a month, Blower was injected with mescaline six times, and each time he complained of highly unpleasant hallucinations. Like I don't know if this is helping me not be sad anymore, doctor. No, yeah. I think you got to stop going to that doctor. Finally, for some reason, Hawk gave Blower a dose of mescaline 14 times larger than any previous dose. That's a good don't, idea. They, they don't know what they're doing. No, they really just make it up as they go. This yes, is the thing we keep saying. They just make it up. They're, there's nobody in charge. That's the whole point. Six minutes later, Blower was flailing out of fear. <laughs> yeah, he spent eight minutes flailing. Then his body stiffened. After two hours had passed, Harold Blower was dead. That he, is just what a great what, he what a died great test. from bad vibes. Like <laughs> wow. he bad tripped himself to death. Could you imagine how terrifying those last eight Nightmare. minutes of his life was? Where he's just like locked, oh, just going, oh, just oh, seeing oh. some demonic force seeing staring hell. at you. Yeah, no, oh, not eight minutes, gosh. two hours. Like two hours of rigidly tripping until you die. (laughs) Yeah, because you know how it's like when you're tripping and like you're in time feels like yeah. I'm broken my mind. I'm always like this. (laughs) Yeah, time just slows down. Imagine that for two hours. That's like some Freddy Krueger shit, dude. Mm -hmm. As one medical assistant later confessed, this is a direct quote. We didn't know if it was dog piss or what it was we were giving him. Wait, but. The option what like like if oh dog w- piss was in the office yeah and I was taking it. <laughs> honestly I was taking it for my ADHD and I've never been so focused <laughs> yeah okay and this wasn't even the worst experiment Hawk performed he would also give LSD to patients before and after lobotomizing oh, them oh it's not good what is man wrong with people it's evil once he gave a patient LSD and a local anesthetic before a lobotomy then asked the patient to describe his visual experience as chunks of his brain were removed. I'm getting a lot of... Mm, I don't know. Mm. Does it smell like flowers, dude? Mm, it smells like flowers. I'm getting the flower smell. Am I a shoe? <laughs> to be honest, I'm blind. I'm blind. Yeah. yeah. 
Are you taking chunks of my brain out? <laughs> Whoa, wait a second. Wait. Is that what this is? Wait, what? But even though Gottlieb had gotten the power to do whatever he wanted, he was still frustrated. After 18 months of experiments, he'd been forced to admit that none of these drugs had answered any of the questions Dulles had wanted him to answer. I'm Can still I actually, not uh, sure what the questions are. God, that's literally, he's like, <laughs> I actually, now that we've been doing this for a year and a half, um, what was I supposed to be doing? What was I doing? <laughs> because these guys are just screaming and dead. Most of them, half of them are dead and a lot of them are just screaming. <sighs> so, as author Stephen Kinzer put it, Gottlieb had to choose between two conclusions. Either there was no such thing as a mind control drug, or he just hadn't discovered the right one. Or if or he had discovered be. the right one, he hadn't discovered the right way to use it. All right. Well, you better try, try, try again yep. until everyone's dead. No. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's what he said. He said, I was hired to explore, not give up. Oh, oh my wow. God. Oh, wow. Oh, Lord, yeah. my friend, this is a horrible, you're a horrible doctor. Like Jimmy Fallon with his NFTs. Yeah. Is he doing <laughs> NFTs now? Yeah, and he also interviewed the robot military dog Did on he his really? show. He is an arm of the U.S. It's propaganda machine. Disgusting. He's They're a part of the, the government. <laughs> folks, don't even get me going, folks. They're coming home for you. So Gottlieb concluded that the secrets to mind control were locked away in LSD. Also, Gutley was he was taking a lot of acid himself at this time. Oh, so, so this he, is, his imagination know, was what you'd call fertile. This is what they did. They <laughs> literally said this because he needed he talked about getting into a creative headspace. They were he was so laced with acid well, that they were just like he's just like they're just zip zap zopping. Does it yeah. make it better that he was full of acid? I mean, at least he was at least he was also oh, I don't know. I don't have himself. these thoughts on acid. And I just party, <laughs> I dude. Don't know. I don't know. <laughs> At the same time, though, Gottlieb was taking on another role in the CIA besides just chief mind control expert. Since he was the CIA's senior chemist and had experience introducing toxins into the human body, and since he had all that Nazi concentration camp research to draw upon, mm. Gottlieb became the so-called poisoner-in-chief. His first official action as poisoner came in March of 1953, when Alan Dulles told Gottlieb that he needed a clean way to get rid of a senior officer named James Cronthal. See, Cronthal and Dulles had worked together in the OSS during World War II, but the CIA had discovered that Cronthal was a pedophile who'd been blackmailed oh. into being a double agent for first the Nazis... And then the Soviets. Bit of a liability. A bit, I would say so. <laughs> so Dulles informed Cronthal at a dinner that his services would no longer be needed. Yeah, we're going to have to let you go. And I wonder if he knew then what that meant. What he's just been like, yeah, maybe we should part ways. Maybe this is best. Is it the yeah. pedophilia or the double agent thing? Hmm. I would say it's actually more the double agent thing. Yeah. For him, huh? for Dulles. Yeah, probably. Yeah, for, yeah, for Dulles. Yeah, he would use any... If he, yeah, because Dulles is like, well, if we a, kick every pedophile out of the CIA, I don't have a fucking company anymore, okay? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he used Nazis so casually, yeah, he'd use a pedophile. But this guy was such a pedophile that he was caught twice. First, the Nazis used him, then the Soviets used him. Wow. So, Kronthal was escorted home by CIA security officers. And Cronthal was found dead the next morning with an empty vial laying on his body because he had been killed by an untraceable poison made by Gottlieb. So they Whoa. left the, the thing that could be traced, which is the vial that the poison had in on his chest like the mafia does yeah. when they kill you. 
Yeah, That's... where it's yeah, it's there, and the poison is untraceable. But anybody who knows 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 that we did it. Is that how mm-hmm. they killed Marilyn Monroe? Marilyn Monroe. I mean, I'm I'm again. I've been set back years <laughs> by the <this> series. <laughs> well, having proven his loyalty. Gottlieb's request to further explore the possibilities of LSD in the search for mind control was approved by Alan Dulles, and the resulting project was entitled MK Ultra. Whoa! And that's where we'll pick back up for part three of our series. Oh, my we've got God. some Naomi stories. Is now Ultra. We got some stories ahead of us, folks. We got fucking. We're gonna get deep into hypnotism. We're gonna get. Whoa. We're gonna talk about Frank Olson. We're gonna talk about continued CIA experimentation over the next what three episodes? And we're it, thinking five. We don't uh-huh. quite know. Probably be five. I do think. I like that you address the audience as folks because this this is a folks folks, folks. <laughs> We're talking. This is a folks uh, yeah. series. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna just get thicker and meaner and Ugh. more. Fucked up, and then we're also going to get into some more, uh, bringing in a little bit more conspiracy territory, um, especially the there's a couple of choice named words that these self-published books about MK Ultra really use. <laughs> it's very, very intense, and we're, we're going to cover every last squirming inch of it. Stick with mm-hmm. us, folks. Uh, well, thank you all so much for listening. We hope you're doing well out there. Uh, don't forget to check out the comic book, Soul Plumber. Yeah. Uh, still coming. Five it got be, pushed. It got pushed because of the supply line. Supply chain line. That's all very ha- real um, and happening. And then, of course, the Z2 comic. Z2. Or did you pre-order from that for Z2? Last comic yes. book on the left. Um, you get the coffee. Mothman coffee. It's delicious. I'm still drinking. It's absolutely it's delicious. It's the best. And I believe he was able to uh, purchase a larger machine. He recently, did. Oh, no. He's ready to go. Awesome. And uh, purchase the other things that are not just the Mothman line on his Spring Hill Jack coffee. It's so delicious. Oh, yeah. My, I love High Strangeness is delicious. I, I love, love High Strangeness. And it's got it's got a lot of torque in it. Oh, that's what you need more of. You need more torque. I mean, I am sort of maybe in the possibility of in the range of having panic attacks while I'm watching hours and no. hours and hours of footage of MK Ultra. No, it's so I love Henry Zabrowski Tokyo Drift. It's it's, it's really be good. Yeah, we need more, <laughs> we need more torque. Uh, yeah, and keep on supporting all the shows here on the Last Podcast Network. And as I'm sure you all know, we are now wide, and uh, that is means we are on all platforms um so please listen to us and we're working on the transit we're we still got one time things but, are updating we, yes. we we have heard the thing about google podcasts we're in communication with them they are yep. they're going to say it's going to take a second for all of the feeds to catch up and that's what we're doing yep so we're all all the just taking a taking a second as always one app at a time absolutely so thank you all so much for your support throughout that entire process and uh yeah i guess that's about it yeah um, dog mean any last words for the folks at home uh, do this fucking, week, not final words. Just last okay, words not, for this not, week. Not, not, not you're about words. to. No, not, you don't have to be like words. enjoy every sandwich. This isn't your Warren Zevon yeah. moment. No, just any. But let's get back to using psychedelics for mental health. Let's do it. That's my plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking micro dose pills, like a motherfucker. Two days on, three days off. Fuck yeah, bro. Okay, if you if you combine them, that becomes a macro dose. No, it's also (laughs) that's new dude. That's that was having fun. I'm I am actually I was macro dosing for a while. I am now micro dosing, and it it, it's much. It's it's not quite as fun, but it works better. I'll say that. We'll take care of your brains out there. Otherwise, the government's gonna try to take it from you. All right, everyone, hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Hell, game. Be careful if you try any sort of the psychedelic mental health stuff. You'll do it under the care of a doctor. Yeah, I mean, talk to your buddy, fucking Daryl. He knows what's up. (laughs) Ask him how much he took, and then see, and then and then do half what Daryl took. Yeah, and then and then take the other half after you're like, this doesn't kick in. But then you realize that it did kick in. Of course, because it always takes long. Yeah, Yeah, and I do mushrooms, not LSD. So I've only actually only taken acid once. 
I can't wait. I have a little. I have some. Well, these are now you are admitting to felonies. What are you talking about? Oh, I'm excited. Right, what do you do? Thank you for listening. Hail yourselves. Goodbye. See you fuckers. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.